Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat. All these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fish in action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Rats, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bauer and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. The Des Moines Metro's got to be what? Pushing a million? That's, I think I looked it up the other day because I said it was pushing a million, million and then Ella said, no way. And I... I looked it up. I think it's eight hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand. So okay, so a million. Yeah. Okay, it's so like a million. When I grew up in Montana, though, mm-hmm. the entire state, the whole entire state, it's like a million, right? was almost a million. Yeah, we were like nine hundred some thousand. Yeah, because I remember like they, it was a huge thing on the news and everything when it when it hit a million. Right. And so Great Falls was sixty thousand people, which was the, it was at the time it was the third biggest. And we call them cities because that was a city to us. Dude, that's a city to me. Okay. The town I grew I'd up in is, was a thousand people. I, I like wish I, you could see it. Though. I looked at a town that had fifteen hundred people. I'm like, that's a freaking metropolis over there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you say only sixty thousand. I'm like, that's sixty times bigger than the town I grew up. Right. In. Sounds absurd to us. Yeah, but it's like an island of sixty thousand. That that makes, makes a lot of sense. sense. It makes a lot of go, sense. You could go north. You go all the way to Canada before you even hit a town of more than 1,500 people. You'll see 15 bears before you see 15 people type deal? Uh, maybe if you went west. Okay. But so like north, so Great Falls is kind of an interesting place because you're right in the middle of the plains. Yeah. But are there any waterfalls? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, I was it's, like, be... it's where Lewis and Clark it, uh, well, was well, on the trail. And they Lewis and Clark Falls. went a lot of places with, that didn't have waterfalls. Yeah, I guess they covered like the entire... Western side exactly. Of the nation, but. So if they would have named a place Great Falls and it didn't have a waterfall, I'd be pretty pissed off. False advertising. Well, the, and the worst part about it too is now they built a dam there, and so it's not even that great anymore. You know, so now it's just kind of not like so a, Great a Falls dam. <laughs> I mean, the, like, it's still cool. But less than Stellar Falls is what they're going to name the town now. <laughs> it's. I wouldn't have described it as Great Falls now. Now, like when you see the pictures of it and stuff that they drew before there was a big huge dam there yeah yeah it was a lot more you know gorgeous and there wasn't a city built around would it. you call it good falls yeah i'd go good falls okay, okay. Falls. good falls works yeah uh but you probably know more about it at least like i don't know you anything know, about it 
Well, the fishing and stuff, though. I've never along the Missouri River or any of that. Like, dude, trout. that's that's trout country. I use trout for bait. See, I didn't know if you. They're good cat food. They're kind they of species are. too. They're excellent for that. Yeah. Fertilizer. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, the the irony of you saying that I should should have you come on when uh, we have a podcast with the fly shop guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You want to see a fight on the other side of the table? Yeah. No, I just want to see somebody get worked up carry a stick and poke a bear yeah, yeah you don't like fly it. fishing i have nothing against it per se but you it's just, just like poking the bear yeah exactly i'm i'm all for that because your fly fishing guys are like they're pretty hardcore fly fishing right show up the river looking like a goddamn ll bean mannequin of course i'm gonna poke <laughs> all right so i'm here with warren and jesse i'll let you guys introduce yourselves my name's warren holder uh my family and I have had an outdoor-based uh, hunting show, specifically on the Outdoor Channel, for the last um, nine years, eight years, going into our ninth season. Uh, two of those years have been on Discovery Channel, and then now we're back on Outdoor Channel for the last two years. So uh, when it comes to fishing in this conversation, I'm going to have absolutely nothing to contribute. Ask questions. So well, I got plenty you of questions. you fished before. It's yeah, not I like fish. You, you know what fishing is. It's I fish, but like I know that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like you know anybody a, that... You know what a pole is, a reel is. And yeah, like I've, I'm probably like... If there was 10 levels, I'm probably like a level two fisherman okay. of bass. It just okay. doesn't have any depth, I guess. Well, I'm like a three or four, probably. I, here I just fish a lot. No, no. So like... And that's how I met Spencer is uh, we did... We, we do, like, some contract work through the states and stuff like that, and, and we were building a fishing 101, funny enough. Fortunately, we didn't have to provide any of the information. We had a guy that we knew that was a fishing expert, but we didn't have any. We got, like, and he hundreds was, of experts a loose of, term. Let's just say, and the expert was like, I don't have time for this, so they called me. Yeah, well, we needed, we didn't <laughs> know what we were string. talking about. We needed video, and right. which, like, my guys, I'll bet you they watched you pulling in that, um, that catfish in the kayak in Texas or something. Yeah. What was that? A blue cat or something? Yep. The humongous thing. Yeah. They watched that like ten times. <laughs> like they couldn't knock it over that. Neither could I. Cause it was like, a fun fun day. Dude, I haven't I haven't posted the video yet, and I haven't told you guys, but I've caught a, a trog out of my kayak last week. It was, and the it, the video will be posted well before this podcast is aired. So I'm assuming anyone listening to this has already seen it, but. See, it, t- it took me for a ride. I was clipped off to the bank, and it pulled the clip, so I was flying down this enormous, well, I'd say it, the Missouri River in a kayak, being pulled by a 50- to 60-pound catfish. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I didn't even know that you, like, I thought catfishing, like, ended in the summer. I didn't even, that's how much of a noob I am with catfishing. I didn't even know that people still that's catfished. That's a common there. misconception. I mean, I'm learning more. Than well, a lot of people just year. hang it up. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of dudes, a pile of dudes who catfish love bow hunting. So they'll catfish whether they're riding a reel and are running ditty pulls from whenever turkey season's over until whenever they start. They'll catfish less because they'll start doing their food plot and habitat stuff towards the end of the summer, and and then by October first they're done, done. And some guys are done before that. Right. Yeah. That makes more sense. But they're like, not swatting mosquitoes. They're they're over it for right, a year. Right, right, Yeah, that sucks. That I don't know how you can tolerate the bugs sitting along a riverbank all the time. I don't. I could do. I don't. A little bit, I but. won't. 
I take a thermocell and bring bug spray and between those two things it's pretty tolerable. Eat more garlic, does less thermos, deodorant. Does the thermocell work on all bugs though? Or just oh, I don't care about a bug that ain't biting me. Like if there's a bug just buzzing around me, I'm like, let him buzz, you know, but if it's biting me then which is mosquitoes or um, those black flies. What about one of those Dobson flies? You've seen those, haven't you? Um, I didn't see it, but did I tell you about that? Mm -mm. When I was down in the Amazon, we are talking about the ones that lay the egg in you. Isn't that the Oh. Wait, no, you're Dobson flies. I was thinking of... um, I know the bot flies. Or bot whatever. flies, yep. yeah. Our our camp host when we were in the Amazon got a bot fly larva in the back of his leg. Yeah, he he thought it was a boil, and then he looked at it in the mirror, and he's like, "Oh shit, that's a bot fly maggot the under my skin." Blackhead. But uh, nah, he put disgusting. a he put a bandaid over it, and then he freaking forgot about it. <laughs> so it died in there, and he never did anything about it. So all you do is put a bandaid on it. Well, you put a bandaid on it so it'll suffocate. You cut off the air supply. And you can't it, just like pull it out with tweezers or something. Well, you don't want it to break, because the idea is if you it breaks and then it dies, you get an infection. But he put a bandaid over it and it died, and I don't know. So, he, he's uh, still alive. I shot him a text a while ago, and he responded, so he's not dead. How big do they get? I don't know. Because like all the videos I've seen of them, like they're they're pretty big. Yeah, they're like a regular like waxworm per se, as far as comparison. The I thing that happens I, under your skin. I never saw it. I've seen videos of it. I'm literally at the same level as far as knowledge of, of you guys on this. You um, got lucky and didn't get intimate with one when you were there. Right. Well, this was the first one he'd ever heard of, and it just happened. To, and he'd been. He told us that he'd been in the Amazon for uh, 21 straight days at that point wow. in time, and he had multiple trips before that, and he never heard of anybody having that happen, and then it happened to him. So, like, just a fly landed on him and, and like, embedded a an egg. baby in him Just somehow? a single egg. And the oh. egg hatched and ate his flesh. And how do you not notice that? Like, how do you Because not- it's not painful. It's just, like, a little bit at a time, and I, I would assume there's, like, some numbing agent, like a mosquito, where you don't feel the bite so much. I feel like something eat true. my flesh. I would. Yeah, I would notice. I'm not about that. Yeah, just that's what I want. Well, and it's so damn hot that like you get ingrown hairs and stuff like that. You're already you uncomfortable, and you'll have bumps and stuff that you probably wouldn't normally have. So to have a bump, you're just like, oh, it's another ingrown hair. Except this time, for him, it wasn't. <laughs> Do you eat sushi? Oh yeah, raw sushi. Oh yeah, nope. never. Oh, I'm sure I have so many worms. Oh. I'm sure I do. Between eating sushi, uh, I love sashimi, which, I mean, there's probably a worm that can survive the acidity of that. It, or or I guess not sashimi. What is that one where they... Ceviche. You ever heard of that one? The, basically, the fish is cooked, cooked, quotation marks, from the acidity of the lemon or lime that you mix it with. I'm so far from cultured. You lost me. <laughs> Are you eating cooked sushi, though, or raw sushi? Both. Because I'll eat cooked sushi. Yeah, I'll eat both. I don't care. I mean, I'm alive. I'm I'm kicking. Yeah. I, that, For now. I For saw now. some like documentary when I was a kid. You know, about Monsters inside me. And stuff. Yeah, something like that. And I was like, no, nah, never. The parasites don't want you to die. Uh-huh. Then then they don't have a host. That doesn't mean yeah. they're not nasty. <laughs> no, parasites Gross. freak me out. Yep. Yeah, that's why. But yeah, you're eating sushi. Yeah. That's counterintuitive. Well, I, I don't have a parasite that I know of, which means I don't have a parasite. Okay. Whatever whatever, <laughs> whatever you can live with, I guess. I I, I mean, it, if it, I don't know. I just don't put much thought into it, and I like sushi, so I eat it. I just, I There's can't a wrap lot my head around of, All right, it. so here, 
There are millions of people around the globe who eat sushi and have no problems. That's well, just like watching sports. I don't do that either just because other people don't do it. But, well, I don't but, do it because like, other people do me. it. I, I don't yeah. do I do They're it because I enjoy sushi. eating it. The first time you did it, you enjoyed the thought of eating something that looked that way. Like it's the look of it and knowing that it's, you know, uncooked. I didn't think I so. My deal with me. food, my deal with food Especially is I will, it's cold. I will try any food once. I don't care how weird it is, how gross it is. I will try it once. And if I don't like it, I won't eat it again. But at least I'll know. I guess that's fair. Yeah. And I tried sushi once and I liked it. So I keep eating it. That's, yeah. That's literally it. You're so, braver than I am. I, at least as far as food goes. Yeah. I'm not like <laughs> walking up mountains. Have you ever went sheep hunting? Isn't that no. like freaking crazy? Yeah, it is. But it's really hard to. Getting a tag for a sheep is tough. So you either. Yeah, but you have a hunting show. Like, don't you have resources and stuff? Like, not to be able to. Like, just pull a tag. Yeah. Now, like, if I. If you could. You can go. There's a few different. So if you were to. Are you putting in for tags? Yeah, I have points. So the way. So if you were to draw one, would it be like you're going to do a cartwheel across the room as soon as you get notified? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's a. There's some guys that are putting in, like, 25 years. So, right. like, it takes, there's only a couple states, you know, where you can even draw a tag. So, I'm put, I put in for Montana, uh, a place that we used to guide elk, because yeah. there's really big sheep there. No. Um, so, there's a couple states that have an over-the-counter option, and it's a quota. So, you have to radio in, like, every single day. And let and, them know if you shot a sheep or not. Yes. And yeah. then, once it hits that quota number, then nobody else can hunt. So, you have to, like, try to kill one in, you know, two or three days. So that makes it really difficult, and then they're nowhere near the size as any of the any of the ones we got to draw. Sure, um, I do think you, I think you go to I think you go to British Columbia and just pay for like a sheep hunt. And you get a tag. What would you have to pay for that? An animal, mm, probably fifteen to twenty five thousand. Does that include your outfitter at least and That's your guy? Yeah. So I mean, it's so what what would it cost if you let's say you draw a tag, like, and and you get to go on this hunt. How much would it cost Joe Schmo comparably? In the States? In the States. Just your license and your tag. Now, like, uh, like if you went to Montana, it's going to cost you, uh, I think it's probably, I want to say the license is like 700 bucks. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere in that range, and then your tag's probably another two or 300 something. So you're talking so you're about, t- a, about a grand. A grand there. Just in your license and everything. And How then, many of those guys that have that happen? Are doing that and not hiring a guide? Probably not very many. So Especially, the, it depends on the unit you're putting in for, right? So, like the unit that I'm putting in for, I'm really fortunate because I already know one of the landowner that you have to get through to get to the public ground where the sheep are. Yeah. And if you can't get through that ground, then you you're around it, or you're gonna have to pay him. Yeah. You know, and he, I think you know he charges most people like three grand or something like that. So you're already up to four thousand. Yeah. On the on and it's a tag of a lifetime, but and in in this particular one, like that's where the world record muzzleloader came, muzzleloader sheep came out of and yeah. stuff. So like they're killing some really really big rams. Well, I'm just thinking if you wanted to kill a sheep, from a monetary standpoint, how much of a difference it'd be from just going to to pay the British Columbia people versus waiting for so many years to maybe draw a tag that you probably will never get. Well, the difference is the size. That's the difference. So, like, you, you can go to size for availability. Yeah. So, like, you go to British Columbia, 
and you're going to get, and you can kill like, you know, you're probably going to kill maybe 170 inch sheep or 180 inch sheep, which is going to be like, you know, what's the, what's the top, top end flathead? Like state record size or just like trophy size? Trophy like size. Trophy. The trophy benchmark's fifty. In my mind, is fifty pounds. He's fifty pounds. Okay, so forty's like, a big fit. Like a real, like one. You see, one to five forties a year, and if you see a fifty, that's one hell of a fish. That's like some people's fish of a lifetime. Okay, so so if you go to British Columbia, your chances of ki- are of catching, you know, quote unquote, a thirty to forty pound fish is pretty good. Like yeah. you're probably gonna catch like a thirty to 40 pound fish which is like 170 inch ram yeah now if you get this tag in the states like especially where i'm talking about montana like a 50 pound you're gonna catch a 50 pound fish so you're gonna kill like 190 i I get immediately skeptical anytime somebody guarantees anything yeah you can't can't do though you can on this though because you you would if i drew this tag you could look me in the eye and guarantee me to shoot 190 to 200 inch ram if you can hit what you're aiming at with a gun yeah what yeah. are they shooting because, as far as range like how close do you have to get on something like that to where you know they can make that guarantee oh i can get you within well, the, 500 yards the guarantee is the fact that there's only like five or six different people that have a tag period see what i'm saying so like let's just say that you take the entire uh you know whatever river that has lots of big catfish in it and now instead of the hundred or thousand people that that fish it all summer long yeah there's only five guys that get to fish it okay like the entire time and so your trophy quality goes through the roof so that's why the tag takes so long to draw no i i understand all that concept but to still make a guarantee because there's so many extenuating things yeah it's pressure like you have a weather you have just weather would be well, the big one in my eyes. When these, yeah, and but when these guys draw that tag, they're like, they're using every bit of vacation time, taking every single day that they have off, and like they're spending the entire hunting season there. All right, we're we're gonna revisit this, Jesse. You need to introduce yourself. <laughs> oh shit! All right, we're gonna go with this. Um, I'm Jesse Smith. Uh, uh, just one of the local river rats in the area here. Magnificent that, beard. Yeah. Yeah. You need to th- make sure everyone is aware of your magnificent beard. Yeah, 13 months of progress. Anything else you want to add? No, not at the moment. I, I think you should add walleye expert. Or uh, maybe once oh, upon a yeah, time, a walleye expert. Born again walleye fisherman. That's a, I, I like that. Bad waterfowl season tends to uh, contribute to that pretty well. Well, and our mutual friend Sam, who's been on the podcast and in multiple videos, is a born again cat fall and winter cat fisherman due to poor waterfowl fishing or hunting poor waterfowl hunting i thought sam just had differences with the people that he was doing his thing maybe maybe i'm the gist i got was no no ducks so either got burnt out on it yeah that's fair i I could see how it'd be real easy to get burnt out on water i've i've heard that a lot as far as like the guiding end of it well anything equipment intensive i get burnt out on ice fishing just because yeah. it's so equipment intensive. Like, I really enjoy... So I, I walked over hell. I'm kind of bitter about Iowa fishing today because I walked all over, hit all these different spots, checked out all these different things, and caught zero fish. But um, it wasn't that big of a deal because all I had was a backpack and two fishing rods. Pack, pack lighter, you won't be as sore. Well, I'm not sore. 
it's not even a big deal. But if I had to do that for ice fishing, pulling a sled oh, be, through be a foot of snow and do all that, then yeah. then I would get burnt out on it. And I do get burnt out on ice fishing. And it's not a woe is me thing. It's just like painting a picture of the differences. And I see that waterfowl, that is equipment intensive. Um, I could see how people would say, I don't feel like setting up my 500 decoys for snow geese today because I've done it for however many days. It's the lack of sleep that burns you up more than anything. Sure. You know, getting up at ass crack of dawn and, you know. Well, before, well before. Well before, yeah. it, you know, I midnight, mean, one Set your alarm for like one thirty in the morning and it's like. Drive two hours and you get there and, you know, locals are already piled in there and you're, you know, shit out of luck. Yeah. Or, you know, we get a warm year, you know, 70 degrees in December and the birds didn't show up at all. Right. Although I did see a pile of them last week. Well, Waterfowl hunting does not. Well, I wanted to hear about that last week. No, no. It's closed but, in middle zone. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Closed today, so. Yep. Oh, it did? Best season I've ever had, you know. Like, did you I kill shot, a bird? I think I shot like 20 ducks and a handful of geese. That's it. Oh. I went less than I've ever gone before. I, you know, took up walleye fishing again. Yeah. That's one of the, walleye fishing is the reason I don't bow hunt. Like the biggest reason. I just don't like ditch cows. Ditch cows. I don't like to eat them. I don't like the idea of, you know, putting in all that work for, you know, one release of the bow, you know, one pull of the trigger. And Dude, just, but you get doe tags. I've had several, I guess that's true. I've had several people say that, like, they don't understand why I don't bow hunt because I love flathead fishing and it's essentially bow hunting for a fish. Yeah, but you can, like, you, like can you spend take the all this time. You can put it back in the water you and can. It, go. Well, that's the difference in hunting and fishing, but. Yeah, yeah there's you, not much catch and release. Right. <laughs> if I could catch and release geese, I would. I mean, but you, you put like a boot. You put it in, yeah. I've had some good ducks. I have, and I mean, I'm not dogging on it, but the whole adage, you know, you wrap it in bacon, cook it, and then you throw the. That's what I'm going to do with the. Eat the bacon. I literally have pheasant in the fridge and a pound of bacon laying next to it right now for <laughs> lunch. You go out and get some pheasants after. Last time I ran into you, yeah, I you got them shells put to use. Good, I did. Awesome. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to blame the shells for the first three I missed, and um, I'm going to say uh, it was all me for the two that I hit. Following oh, shells that. hit everything. <laughs> it's you. Uh, in, my, in my defense, they got up 40 yards away, and I was trigger happy. Like, got excited. Did yeah, that. I'm like, oh, they're close enough. I have a full choke in. Pheasant hunter rapid fire. Are you guys seeing more pheasant hunt or pheasants? Because I saw more pheasants. I'm not a pheasant hunter at all, but I saw more pheasants just like in general this year than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, there's there's a good good amount compared to years past. It depends on the area. I mean, I drove oh big time sixty miles of gravel last weekend, thinking, all right, well, I'm just I got nothing going on. I'm not in a hurry to get to where I'm going. I'm gonna take gravel, and I didn't see a damn bird. Yeah. Well, what you time know, of day was it? Was it, it was late afternoon thing? when they should? You know, you'd think you'd see them out right before. Yeah. See them out feeding before it gets dark. Yeah. And I didn't see a damn thing. That's interesting. There's less less CRP though, so that's I mean, true. all the areas that I used to, you know, that gravel route back when I was in high school and I did the road hunting thing. Back in the day. Yeah, back in the day when I had all the time in the world. All right, so do did we wrap up the sheep? Do we have anything more to throw on the sheep? Yeah, you said you wanted to revisit it. Oh, I, I had an idea. I <laughs> I, we're revisiting it to see if there's anything we need to cover about the sheep before we, we go. So there's you're telling me that there's nowhere that you can like that is like a really good place that you can go catfishing and that you know you're going to catch a 50 pound catfish no nothing's guaranteed no but i never make a guarantee but everything okay let's just say 
I walk let's just five say a miles 90% today. Let's say a 90% <laughs> There's chance. places where your odds are higher, but it's never 100%. And when you're talking about a fish like that, it's I would say guarantee a 40. There is no place in the state of Iowa where I would guarantee you a 40-pounder. But you're also fishing where anybody can fish, right? No. I go There's substantially far out of my way to get away from people. And, well, for example... Well, this isn't a great example, but I'll tell the story anyway. There's a boat ramp, and as far as river miles go, from boat ramp to boat ramp, it's 18 miles. Um, River miles. As crow flies, it was like 14. That's a big stretch. Yeah, big stretch, and there's just happens to be prime, prime, prime spot halfway between them. And I floated down there, and I had phenomenal fishing. It was great. But But couldn't anybody float down to that? They could not that distance necessarily. I mean, Most any, people aren't comfortable. Anybody know, could, and I mean, um, I had to go. I had to line everything up to like to get somebody. My brother was nice enough to drop me off, so he, like, the takeout. He came and picked up my kayak and all my shit and <coughs> drove me up to the put in, and and then I made two days of it floating down with the whole intention of just fishing this spot for one night, and I did it, and the fishing was phenomenal, but still didn't catch forty. Right. But now you have to look at this as, one, you can't see fish. Yeah. You know, you're having to, you're just throwing something out there. Two, so like these guys, when they draw a tag, they know in. No, I get the the, the difference between hunting and fishing is substantial, but yeah. you still have mother nature. Yeah, you do. You, like, you still have, so, you yes, still have critters correct. that are supposed to be here and they're not. You got disease that year. I mean, yeah. you may not a, be able to, disease does impact sheep a lot. Yep. You can't necessarily guarantee it, but I would tell you that the odds, like you're saying that there. You said it was a guarantee. I pretty much would be willing to guarantee it. Like the the outfit. How much there, money would you put down if I was like, I, I I drew draw this tag, and whether like if I kill a two or hundred ninety or two hundred inch sheep or don't, you're gonna put down like to say I will. You're gonna guarantee I will, and I'd put thousand bucks on it that i would would you put your whole savings account on it that i would are you gonna listen to one are you gonna give me the whole season are you gonna give me the whatever circumstances you want okay if you're gonna give me the whole season season. and that you're gonna listen to and shoot whatever ram i tell you to okay i would be willing to bet on a 190 inch ram or bigger in this particular unit that I'm talking about, I can't wait to hear this my number. entire savings. Your entire holy shit! That's is it o- giving them the opportunity? I mean, hitting the shot is still that's on up you, to him. Yeah, but, but I would I would be willing to bet. No, my, there's a my there's a difference though. The so so this isn't guaranteed that you'll get it. This is guaranteed you'll get the opportunity to have a good shot at 190 plus entry. Yes, I guess your whole I savings account a little better. Whole savings account. Okay. Okay. And I'm and I'm a. I'm a moderate gambler. I don't gamble a lot or anything, wow, so I'm not like going insane. crazy. Like Maybe that. I should start putting in for this tag. <laughs> Buy some yeah. Velcro, if Velcro I drew, gloves, go get If I drew this tag, could I sell it? Can you no. Sell, you can't sell Non-transfer. But now the state oh, sells Oh, yeah, them. I suppose they wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah, none of them are. Well, the state sells them. They have the which, governor's tag, don't yeah, they? Yes, and they the governor's tag off. for that usually is going for like 100 grand or more. Shh. So that That's gives you lot. an idea of... I mean, it makes the British Columbia one look pretty cheap at that point in time. But... So then, like, I would tell you, you'd go to British Columbia and kill a 190-inch ram almost any year. You're, like, 
1% or less. Really? That's that big of a difference. So people geek out because you have this, if you draw this tag, you can kill this giant sheep. It's literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. All right. So horns aside, like how do sheep taste? Have you ever eaten one? Uh, the, the, actually, the only thing I've ever eaten from a sheep is sheep nuts. <laughs> as weird as that is. I really had a no, bad I've, feeling that that was going to I really did. I've, I've eaten uh, cow nuts. And it tastes Rocky like, Mountain oysters. Yeah, yeah. that's what. Yeah. Uh, so when, where we but guided. yours were literally Rocky Mountain oysters. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Where we guided elk, hunt, elk hunts, they, there was a sheep hunter in camp, and he killed a sheep that night. And so then we. Uh, you he's know, like, I'm going to keep this sheep, but you guys can eat the... No, he ate it too, because their gonads are huge. You know, so it was like 10 That's of us That's the first time I've heard of gonads in a yeah. long time. <laughs> so we... It tasted... You know, if you fry it, it tastes just like chicken. At least to me, it did. Like, it was pretty good. The Rocky Mountain oysters I had... I don't even know. I think they're a crock pot. They cooked them in a crock pot, and they tasted nothing like chicken. Really? Yeah. It was, it's, it's been a minute. I can't even remember. Usually they fry them. What was the texture like? It was like soft. Like yeah. steak or burger, you know, like. It was just like you just, it was soft and you just bit through it. It's almost like shrimp. I guess that'd be tolerable. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't something that I would go out of my way to eat. It's not freaking ribeye. You did it for the novelty of it. I did it because it was there and I never had it. You told you, I'd, I'll, I'll eat any food once. And if I like it, I'll keep eating. Got to get you some Sir Strom. Have you ever had Mountain Lion? No, that's actually pretty good. Really? If yeah. some, I mean, if somebody presented Mountain Lion, like if you would have rolled in here today and been like, "Hey guys, I cooked some Mountain Lion," you know, I'd try it. I'm still eating. I've crab. had raccoon. That's not really? bad. Yeah, pressure I've, cooked raccoon's good. I've had it that. It was, way. It was a crockpot raccoon, and there was uh, almost as much barbecue sauce as raccoon. So it just tastes like barbecue sauce. You can do that with anything, though. Oh, I agree. But <clears throat> I've had raccoon. Ryan cooked some beaver. Um, I bet that'd be oily, though. He said the first bite. Like the tail? Or? No, he, he just cooked the beaver itself. Okay. And he said, you take a bite, and your initial thought was, this isn't bad. But the aftertaste from it was left something to be desired. I had a kid with me last year that was ice fishing and a guy at work had gifted me an actual beaver tail and I'd heard that it's good ice fishing bait, you know, because it's firm and whatnot. So yeah. I skinned the outside of it off and I chopped it up real small. I handed it to this kid while I was out fishing and he misunderstood that it was fish bait. <laughs> and he ate it? He popped it in his damn mouth <laughs> and like an hour later and he, it's he, like my stomach I saw hurts. him again, he's like that tasted like shit, and he's like, I didn't want to say anything because I thought it offended you. I said that was raw freaking beaver tail. That, uh, I meant put that on your how hook, long not had in your it mouth. been sitting out? How did it even? Oh, I mean, it was it was frozen when I got it, so I thawed it out that during the day okay. that day at work, took it home and chopped it up and took it out. So at least there was like minimal sanitation issues, and I'm, you didn't have to like drag this kid to the cutting, hospital. Cutting it, looking at it, I mean, it had the same like consistency as like tenderloin. No, I've seen it. Yeah, I just. I can't tell, believe he just popped it in his I've, mouth raw. The smell was foul. I have a beaver tail story. Ice fishing. There was a we were catfishing through the ice, and mm-hmm. one dude rolled up with beaver tail. Um, he was a friend of a friend. I'd never met him at the time, but um, he was using beaver tail. And I'm like, what kind of hillbilly shit is this? And he put it on a hook, put it down a hole, and um, I don't know. Hours went by. We're just shooting the breeze about whatever, and. 
I see movement out of the corner of my eye, and that rod tip is buried into the ice hole, and he had a stick going across the hole to prevent the rod from being pulled in, and it was hung up on that stick. And like drag, the reel pointing down. Drag was ripping off the reel, and then, tink, gone. Yep. I'd never seen a hit like that through the ice ever. I'd imagine they'd work pretty good, though. I mean, oily. I caught some panfish on sure. it, but catfish, I'll, I might try and get another one and give it a go. That's the weird thing about it ice fishing. It looked like tenderloin, too? It, yeah, it kind of looked like a it didn't you know, look pork real, like, tenderloin. It was or just, anything? No, I mean, I just filleted the, you know, the dark shit off the tail and chopped it up. Sure. You know, waxworm-sized pieces for panfish and just... Well, I would love to use beaver tail for ice fishing bait because I have a, a supreme... I don't dislike very many critters, but I dislike beavers. Yeah, I'm not fond of otters. I mean, not fond of them at all. I don't mind otters. They're because, wasteful. They're assholes. But they don't slap their tail on the freaking water. Like, you'll be there... They can just, otters destroy a fishery. Beavers are just... Otters make you don't shit destroy your a fishery. It's not like there's millions of them out there eating every no, damn but they, fish in the No, they river. can eat out a farm pond in a couple of weeks, though, if they happen to stroll up on it. Uh, I mean... I, I'm an instant skeptic on any of those things. I've never seen it happen. People say it's happened. I've never seen it happen. I don't know if there's any science that supports you it. You got me there. I guess it's alleged, but I've heard from a lot of people that... Yeah, but a lot of people say the DNR let mountain lions go. We're going down the wormhole now. <laughs> <laughs> I Talking about green jeans already. <laughs> I'm going to pull my tinfoil hat out. Yeah, let yeah. me put that on. I'm, I'm praying to offend... A lot of Iowans offend them. Well, let's the hear it. Of, the It'd be people. real impressive if you could offend me. That's where I'd be real impressed. Yeah, I'd be so impressed I wouldn't even actually be offended. I don't even know enough about catfish to be able to insult you about your catfishing ability. But, I mean, you, like that's the only thing I feel like could possibly offend you. The only thing, no, there's At least so far nothing in catfishing that could offend me. Well, the with the lions, the amount of Iowans that think they've seen lions is incredible to me. Yeah. Because, oh, it's it's absurd. I mean, like and like you ha- you have to actually be like around mountain lions to understand how ridiculous they sound cuz they'll be like, "Oh, you know, you got to be, be careful back in that 80, you know, there's a there's a lion back there." Yep. They don't lions, stay put. No, they cover yeah. like their range is like literally over 100 miles. Right. And we lived in so, do you know where Whitefish Montana is? I we've talked about. Okay. I've not been west of well, I've been to Colorado once, and aside from that, I've barely been west of Iowa. So you're sheltered. No, I go. Yeah, you I, are. No, no, I'm not. Like I go straight south. I've been all the way south to freaking South Padre, and then southeast all the way down to Sarasota, Florida, and a lot of places in between. But there aren't so any. What made you attracted to those? There's fish no catfish out west. west. There's catfish out there. They're Where? Not like here. How many catfish you caught out west? Well, I caught more out there than I did here, but that's because I doesn't know anything about here like once. Yeah. There's, there's, it was when I was a kid. There's zero flatheads west of the Missouri River, basically. I think all we were catching was channel cats. Yeah. But I don't like, but there's big, you know, there's big trout and everything else out there. I don't there. even know Muskies what that word and, means. What's yeah, a trout? That's <laughs> all I caught when I grew up. You know, we didn't. There was no advanced tactics. You used like a spoon or. There's a worm. lot of advanced trout tactics. Yeah, did you wear the fly fishing? Or... If you're serious about it, you know, yeah. I was just always going with my my buddy and his dad, which his his dad was super serious. About I would it. I would argue if you were serious about catching a big trout, you wouldn't fly fish. He didn't cat. He didn't fly fish at all. Like he was always using like we would troll and stuff and oh sure, uh, you know, and like 
I would lose a fish or something, and he'd freak out. Oh, one of those guys. Oh, yeah. How old were you when he was freaking out on you? Like nine. He's freaking out on a nine-year-old. Well, only because he thought it was a big fish. I don't care. You're nine. I didn't care either. I watch a nine-year-old miss a fish, and I'm like comforting the nine-year-old because they feel terrible, you know? It's preparing them for an adulthood. Those Montana folks out there. They're not quite as They're rugged s- as they try to make them look on Yellowstone. Yeah. But they are not soft. And so I'd gotcha. be like, Jesus, chill. Freaking Jeff, chill. Like, it's There's a difference right, between dude. being soft and being Freak. an asshole. Though. That's like, true. That's a, a good point. It's a fine line. Huh? He wasn't an ass, but he was like, well, any- it was. he was visually I'm upset sorry, that we I'm lost Sorry, Jeff. If you're freaking out a nine-year-old, I think <laughs> you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> he could be at times, but he was still a good guy. And well, there are more layers to a human being than what like that particular instance. Like he was very there can serious be off, about his fishing. There can be offsetting attributes. Trout you know, like almost. you freak out on a nine-year-old for losing a big fish, but then you know you do a bunch of community service to help out the people around you. Then I feel like that's offsetting. He was a firefighter. See, there you so, go. Yeah, He's so saving he, people. Gave him, Redeeming quality. Yeah. So that gives you <laughs> gives you leverage, I guess, to be upset about losing a fish. <laughs> That's priceless. So All right. the next time I have a nine-year-old that misses a 160-plus-inch deer, I'm going to freak out on him, and I'm just going to go do some community service, and that evens it out, right? Yeah, in my mind, you're <laughs> Cancel fine. Cancel culture. Right? You're fine. You're fine. No, I got... All right, you guys will get a kick out of this. So I was... I, I parked it... All right, there's this road. I'm going to paint you the picture of how this went down. There's this main road, and there's a dead-end road off of this main road. So when you turn off of the main road onto the dead end road, you go over a railroad crossing. Yep. And I've been to this place hundreds of times. So I turn off of the main road, go over the railroad crossing, drive to where it dead ends, park my truck, and I walk like almost two miles to this spot on the river to catch catfish. The annoying part is I fish for two hours and then it starts getting dark i caught one catfish it was kind of a dud dud day it's not that it's a dead spot but it's a dud day so i walk back so i'm putting what almost four miles on my boots i get to my truck i'm starving and i'm like i can't wait to stop and get something to eat hop in my truck drive up to the main road and there is a train parked not moving blocking my exit so i in your in your truck i'm in my truck ah i'm blocked i wait 20 minutes train ain't moving i'm calling i walk up to the railroad crossing call that number call all bunch of different types of number a bunch of different numbers i'm googling stuff people are not answering i'm leaving messages i find somebody who answers the phone they transfer me to somebody else and then the phone just, and then I just get hung up on, and then an hour and a half has went by, and then I finally get a hold of somebody, and there's a government facility on the south side of the railroad tracks, and I'd already called that number and went straight to voice or went to voicemail. Nobody's answering, but I find on their website they have an after-hours number. And I finally got a hold of a person who's running this facility after hours. And he calls another person who was supposed to come open the gate 
they never open the gate. So I'm waiting another 20 minutes. I call him again. He calls that person again. They finally come out and they're like, this is, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, gosh, I can't think of the word. They normally don't let people in there. And he made a big deal about how they normally don't let people in there. But he opened the gate, made me wait till he closed the gate, and then I followed him out. And after two hours of so being it- stuck behind this train, I finally got out by going through this facility. Place. Government facility. Yes, yes. That would suck. It, it, it so sucked. wait, so there was the train not across the road? Just the gate was closed? So this facility, they, they moved the train and parked it, and they they left the entryway of this facility open, but blocked the, the dead-end road. Okay. And you couldn't go, like, try to find a conductor or anything? Dude, that I, would have been a mile and a half down the track. Oh, I don't know how far. It, it at least, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't know. I and this was, it so was you, dark. So like you couldn't even see the main engine or whatever. No, it was long yeah. ways down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that would suck. Yeah, and I was just like, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna be <clears throat> stuck in my truck all night? And the irony is, I took, I had my camping stuff in my truck, and took it out right before I left. And the other irony is that I was trying to get there early and I didn't get, it took me an hour and a half longer because I had a bunch of other crap I had to do to get to that place. And I would have been out of there in time because there was other vehicles parked. And once I got back, they were all gone. So I would assume that the odds of me being trapped in there would have dropped substantially if I would have been able to get there earlier and get out earlier. That seemed pretty minimal. I mean, given the area there, if I, I'm picking up on where, where where you're talking about. Yeah, it was. But if you've been there hundreds of times, it had never happened before. It never happened. Probably before. never will again. So probably would, not. Yeah, still I remarkable. I was. That would it, suck. I felt claustrophobic. <clears throat> like I felt trapped. I am a tax-paying citizen. Get down here and get me out of here. Right. <laughs> but it was a pretty shitty deal. Um, Ella drove down. She was going to pick me up, and about the time she got there was about the time I got a hold of that facility, and they let me out. So. It ended up working out all right because it gave us a chance to go sit down and have dinner and drink somewhere. And, you know, I had some good conversations and whatnot. And you just need a good bumper on go. your rig. Put a good bumper on there and just go right through that thing. Through a train. <laughs> just go. You said the train wasn't on there. Just the thing, right? No, the train. Oh, so the train well, was wasn't the was This wasn't. See, I even no cr- asked you this to, and clarified. I must have missed it. Was it was a train car. I thought it was like just the, you know, the. The little deal I was so wrapped out. up in my mind in the story and like envisioning it so deeply. It was angering him again. It was. I was feeling triggered. I needed a safe space. See, I thought you said like the train was right there, but they put the, you know, like the crossing there, thing down. It's a dead end road, so they have right. no guards. It's just a sign that says railroad okay, so crossing. The train is what was sitting. The train the was in front of me. Look yeah, you're not listen. going through that. No. I don't care what bumper you got. No, on there. no. So it ended up working out all right, but I felt like a trapped animal there for a little while. Yeah, that wouldn't be very much fun. No, that would suck. All right, so you have a a hunting show. What does it take to have your own hunting show? Well, it takes a lot. Uh, I guess in what capacity are you asking that? I don't don't know enough to to even be able to explain the capacity that I'm asking. There's hunting shows. There's like the, you know, 16-year-old kid that got a GoPro for his birthday that's going to go out there. Would you classify that as a hunting show? 
the standards are pretty low these days as far as that stuff goes. You <laughs> I know don't know. I mean, I feel like we all have our own personal standards. I'll send you some of the cringy. Dude, shit I've seen I've a seen. lot it's... of. I've seen a lot of them. You know, it's it's. But what do you classify as an actual show? Do you, are YouTube Pro- production value? You, I mean, are not YouTube, YouTube shows? But some of them are pretty YouTube, high production. Some, some of them are shows. I mean, then there's other ones where it's just the. Uh, God, that, I don't even well, and I think it's there. a really interesting spot right now where it's at as far as that goes. Because you have some of these guys that are... Trying to make it. Yeah, you have some dudes that, like, their production level is... They got a YouTube channel, but it's like... Uh, it's just not high-quality content. Well, they're putting and in the effort, have, but they're not putting effort into, you know, the act that they're committing. They're just, oh, well, I'm going to film it just because... No, I can't. Yeah, but then you have other guys that... What's wrong with documenting? Uh, nothing. Nothing see, at all. See, I mean, I'm, you're talking to the guy. I don't create things. I just document shit that happens. No, I mean, that, so that's, like, that's the difference. These guys go out and they stage it. You know, They act like it's some big thing, but then everything they're doing is just wrong, and they have all these... You know, all these followers on YouTube that do get behind them, and they're like little kids, so they're teaching them to, in turn, be a shithead. Yeah. I don't like... So uh, I'm not going to have you name channels on here. No, I absolutely not. I wouldn't. But I mean, there's even some of the fishing channels out there that I mean, in the bigger names, just they're huge, and I absolutely I don't understand I why. I feel like there's more of that that what you're talking about. I've never seen what you're talking about hunting, but I I don't watch that much. I don't even watch that much YouTube to be honest. It's just but a I, lack of ethics. But, in it, the, but I see more of that in fishing. But it's probably just because I'm more privy to fishing. They're not trying. It is. They're not trying to appeal to people like us. And you're not as much in fishing, but yeah. You, but you, I don't watch fishing. Right. I watch both, so I mean, okay. you know, what, you know what the irony. Know. You'll appreciate this. the The majority of the YouTube I watch, which is not a whole lot, but the majority of the YouTube I watch is urban bow hunting. Really, that would be interesting. I'm fascinated by dudes killing monster bucks in suburbia. I don't even bow hunt. So you're watching like the like Seek One and those guys. Yes. Okay. Yes. I I find those that very interesting because I can relate too. Like, um, I knock on a pile of doors to get permission to f- camp on certain sandbars on prime flathead water. You know, <laughs> now the the hurdles I have to go through aren't nearly substantial as theirs because well, it's, it's uh, fishing. You're not taking anything from them. Just well, paying. people go bonkers over a deer. Yeah, but a fish you, is different. I yeah, mean, yeah I, I but you also have to keep different. in mind, like, yep. you go. Somebody's thinking when you come and knock on their door, and they're like, "Hey, I just want to go in your, you know, your through your backyard or whatever, and go catch a fish." Yeah, it's I, I just nowhere near as impactful. Yeah, as like, hey, I want to stick a deer with an arrow on your on your property. Oh, my nephew yeah. hunts that. You know, well, yeah, you get that, but the but like on these what urban you're stuff, getting at is that. You know, there, there's deadly force being applied on someone's property versus somebody just walking through. Yeah, you're like, Big one one guy's like, hey, I'm going to walk through here with a fishing pole. And the other guy's like, hey, I want to walk through here with a weapon. Yeah. And I want to kill an animal. Yeah. You know, on your property or whatever. But I think that what, what we're talking about, like, on your YouTube channel differences is, I think it, I think what we're trying to get to is there's a difference in, um, there's a difference in the quality and there's a difference in production value, right? So, like, if you look at Spencer's stuff... You're not using, you know, a phantom or, no. you know, which is a, for those of you that don't I, know, it's a $50,000 camera. I, I upgraded from a GoPro 5 to a GoPro 9 this year, and it was a big deal. Right. <laughs> but why do people watch your stuff? Because I'm 
full of shit. Yeah, he's relatable. in my opinion. Yeah. They like to see some big they fish. Like, he's a cool dude. It's and relatable. He's, it's not commercialized. Yeah, and it's it, you can tell it's real. You yeah. know, and like I think YouTube has a huge platform for that as far as like people just like it's a reality fishing. They feel show. like they know you even though they may have never met you. It's well, like, dude, all right, so my one of my guide trips um I went out with a dude and we had a great time. We caught some fish. It was enjoyable. Um, he left with a big smile on his face, but I was down in his neck of the woods and got a hold of him and we were having a conversation, um, shooting the breeze, whatever. And he said, man, I felt like that fishing trip we went on was super awkward. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I had fun. You seem to have fun. And in my perception, there was nothing awkward about it, but he said, I feel like I've known you for three years because he's been watching my videos for three years and you didn't know me from Adam. Like you've right. never met me in your life. And he felt like there was this disconnect because he just to add credibility. What you're saying, he felt like he knew me and I didn't know him. So it made it weird. Well, and maybe he spent dozens of hours watching your stuff. Well, so he watches extent, all my videos. You're really no different when the camera's off though, than you are, you know, when you're filming the shit. You know? I, I just say, uh, more often. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that does come out. There is that difference, but that's probably the end of it though. Honestly, yeah. you just beep that stuff out on your, I cut it out. Channel, I lit, you know? I don't even beep it out. I just really? remove it just entirely. Yeah. Right. It's like the word was never, <clears throat> but so I think then like when you get to the, to a TV show side of things, like for like a YouTube video, you know, you can go and produce a YouTube video and, what maybe a week or a couple days dude i couple hours my record for editing a 20 minute youtube video my my per pr my pr oh god here we go <laughs> is uh two hours two hours um i mean some of them take i'd say the average one takes five to eight five to eight yeah because i try to put some you know put some effort into them i right. enjoy it if you put time into it you can do fun stuff it's an art you know i mean but it's fun so like, but I so, like, mind. when you get to the TV show side of things, on a production value, for 13 episodes of 22 minutes, I'd say that we're spending probably at least, by the time you do B-roll, editing, mm -hmm. all that stuff, at least five or six weeks per episode. Because so five, so we'll break. We'll say five weeks, five days a week, eight hour days, forty hours a week. So you're talking two hundred hours per episode. That's obscene. Probably close. If you, if you, if you, especially if you broke down the hunting time. So no, might, well, this is. Or I'm talking just editing time. Oh, just editing. No, you're probably like. I'd say it's probably. I don't edit it. We have a guy that edits it, but. I'd say he's spending at least. He's it's got to be at least sixty hours. Yeah, per episode. Have you ever edited any of them? No. You ever tried? Have it's you, fun, man. See, no, you need to see our stuff. No, I have. It, well, then I, I can't edit to that level. Like, but I'm not. It's not even, I'm not saying have you ever edited that level. I'm just asking you if you've ever like, edited a video. Yeah, yeah, and it. I would rather pull my teeth out. Really? Yeah. Like I, did, I just can't pay that. I can't pay that much attention to it. Like I just go, it bores me to death. See, the biggest thing is, do you have my my shortcoming? Isn't that I don't want to edit to a certain level like that? When it comes to the fishing and filming, I get wrapped up in the fishing to the point where 
I ignore some of the filming sides of things, and I don't have a lot of that material available. It's more raw. It's more relatable that way. Right. I mean, I've been working in more B-roll to my videos, and I think it makes it a little more polished. And I like the way it, it's come out a little yep. bit. Um, but like, I literally spend one to two minutes taking like this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot, and then I overlay it with the intro, and that's the end of my B-roll, pretty much. Well, I think it just depends on what the goal of your video is. Like for us on our episodes, the goal is to tell a story. But you know, that's so the goal of mine too. Yeah, but yours is a little bit more condensed version. You know, like we're trying mine to tell. Mine are like 20 to 30 minutes just like yours. Yeah, but they're a lot more raw. Which They I, are. They so are. So where we have, we'll take a couple hours of B-roll and have that edited into a minute yeah. of some sick-ass montage that is really cool right but right. it takes a ton of time yes, how many different does. cameras do you have going typically on something like well that? it just depends so like our our show is a lot different than anybody else's because we our goal is not just to talk to you about killing an animal mm-hmm. we're trying to tell some kind of story through the show so and we usually try to relate that to something outside of hunting so something okay. that you know pertains to actual life uh and that was that's been pretty easy to do with beings that it was about our family so it's just anything that a family encounters that's it's a different story. aspect you don't really see that a whole lot no you don't see it anywhere nobody else has ever really done that uh but so then it would take you know like let's just say that we were gonna do like we did a story about um we called or an episode i guess that we called dirt which the whole episode was about my parents you know they grew up in virginia you know never had much money or anything and then one of their goals was to own some of their own land and when they didn't accomplish that goal until my dad was probably, I don't know, they were probably like in their 40s or something like that. And then the whole episode was about that, you know, that journey. And yeah. finally getting to the point where they could afford to purchase land. So, uh, it, but it, when you do it that way, it takes a ton of time. Where I think that there's a huge value too in the YouTube stuff where people get to feel like, you know, like they're with you. You know, a lot of what they're seeing on ours is a really polished version. Mm-hmm. They're not getting to see necessarily all of the other stuff that goes into that and who we are all the time. They get to see what they, uh, what the story is telling, but they don't get to see the rest of it. You know, you can't, yeah. no matter what you do, you can't, you can't show everything of a family in 22 minutes. It's well, possible. the nice thing about YouTube is like you're, you're in total control. Mm-hmm. I have zero, con- I, like the constraints you have on the episodes that you put out. You have certain requirements and certain things you have to to do where I can do whatever the hell I want. And, like, you don't even have to be in 22 minutes. No. Or, like, we have to get ours to the network in 22, 22 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll, have, I'll have a video that'll be 12 minutes, or I'll have a, I've had videos that are, like, over 30 minutes. And I think that makes it really nice because, like, so some, like, we always have to make sure that we have more than enough. Yeah. That we can cut into 22 minutes. Because if yeah. we don't have enough, we're screwed. Right. Where sometimes it's really good with 12 minutes. Well, I edit the video. Like, the, the length of the video to me is based off of the footage I have. You so, can always roll a day and then the next day together, you know. If I wanted to make a longer video, but I'm not going to just make a longer video to make a longer video. What it, if day one has, like, a notable point that you want to put in, but then... The next day is better, you know. Do you right. leave that out? Sometimes. But I can see that being harder Sometimes. too, okay. in in some regard, because we're we're only trying to make thirteen episodes for an entire year. Mm-hmm. 
you're making how many videos a year? I mean, you're probably doing what one a week or something like that. I do two a week. Two a week. So what's that? that a goal or just what you come up with two a week? No, it's consistency. consistency. It's a big part of that. So I do um, Monday, Thursdays, four p.m. Central Time. So you okay. do it on the same day every week too. Same day, same time every week. Okay, I've done that for a couple years now. Perfect. When yeah. did you notice that your channel like really started uh, get traction? Like I'd, really started to grow. Uh, probably a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Um, so or longer than that. So not this summer, <laughs> not the summer before, but the summer before that. So I guess two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. And it was. It's always been around flatheads. People are infatuated with flatheads, and I totally get it. I'm in. They've got I, that mystique. I would say, they do. I would say I'm beyond infatuated. I'm in love with flatheads. Yeah, you're obsessed. <laughs> well, and, see, feel I feel like obsessed has a negative connotation to no, it. No, it's not negative. I'm Where? obsessed with with hunting, with deer and stuff. I'm yeah. honestly more obsessed with elk than anything. But I could see that. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of dudes who get into elk become obsessed. But the flatheads, it's it's literally like bow hunting for a fish. Okay, so I wanted you to elaborate on that. Because I'm just going to try and see how. Because, like, for me, I don't really care that much about fish. Right, right. Now, I would see, to me, uh, catching a big flathead would be way more appealing than really any other fish I can think of in Iowa. Yeah. Because, so, like, the reason I don't like waterfowl hunting, no offense. No, that's fair. I don't like it either. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is it's, like, they're all the same to me. Like, every duck every is, duck's the, the, same. is the exact same. Yeah. Where, you know, you do have a difference in fish, you know, once a 30 pound fish or a 40, like there's at least some notable difference there where we're like so, with deer and it's stuff. the experience that goes around one. All right. Yeah, I hear that. But like the only experience that I really like is like when they have kitchens in there, you know, and they make these freaking cinnamon rolls and shit. And that's above, my, that's above my pay grade. Oh, we went to Arkansas a couple times, you know, when we were in the, the golden triangle, yeah. which is supposed to be like you're shooting Lights hundreds out. of ducks and stuff. Yeah. And we didn't shoot we didn't shoot shit but the but the breakfast and stuff that they made was blind breakfast just to go and eat breakfast with those guys and hang out it was like that part was a ton of fun i've seen the duck boats for sale where they have the griddles built in to the boat oh dude our our blind like so they pull it's like a garage that they got underneath this thing like a storage unit yeah like they you pull into this blind and then it's got these nice steps up there and they got like a full kitchen in there yeah like they had a they had a freaking sink that they'd somehow had this pump to the, you know like the swamp. Yeah. So it wasn't clean water, but you could like rinse off your your hands and stuff. Yeah. And then they had clean a, dishes and yeah, it was insane. And so like they would make these really nice breakfasts as you are sitting there duck hunting and stuff. And so yep. like to me the actual duck hunting was boring as all get out, but the like just hanging out with the dudes and. Shooting and shit and eating fun. good food. Yeah. And it's all part of the fellowship. Ex- well, it's yeah. the experience. It creates an experience. So even if the hunting isn't good, you enjoyed the experience. Yep. Yeah. Like, they were like, you know, there's not that many ducks here, but we could go out and, you know, sit on this levee or whatever, and we'll probably get into a lot more ducks. And I was like, I mean, all of us we were like, screw that. Let's just go and eat, you know, more cinnamon rolls and just <laughs> shoot the shit, you know? Because <laughs> that was way more fun to us. Like, all we right. just aren't hardcore enough duck hunting. So the flatheads to the comparison first thing you look at deer is they're not all the same you have you have does you have bucks and you have shooters whereas a flathead you have to look at each individual flathead as a trophy upon itself because like to to paint you the picture as many days as i spent on the water fishing for flatheads this is the best year i've ever had and i caught like i'd have to look in my log at the only fish i keep track of the number i caught is flatheads and i think it was 80 something and this was the best year i've ever had out of how many days fishing 
I'd have for to count, them. I'd have to count that. But you I, keep a log. I keep a log. It needs to okay. develop an so app see, for that. No, nobody's going to see everything. That it, I thought about auctioning it off if I ever moved from Iowa and then donating that money to charity. But um, you, auctioning you, off your log. Yes. So is that a? Excuse me. Is that a common thing among among like flyhead fishermen? I've well, never seen it. Dudes have hunting logs. That yeah, that is relatable. Like there's a lot of guys that keep I keep logs on certain certain deer so i caught 82 flatheads in 63 trips that's pretty good i felt i feel good about it that's 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 pretty solid that's what over over a fish yeah one one point like two or something per trip trip. yep so you look at them each as a trophy so every time you catch one is like you killed 120 to 200 inch deer like to me 180 inch deer is like a 50 pound flathead okay in my mind and based on what i know that would be the best analogy i could draw um so anyway when you pattern these things you're patterning them and you know how you have pinch points you have contour lines you have certain food preferences that dictate where you set your stand and then you have to worry about wind direction and all of these things well you have analogies that cross over to flatheads. You have pinch points that lead to increased fish movement through these areas. You have certain areas that have this predominant forage base and this predominant forage base is more appealing to flatheads depending on time of year. And then instead of wind direction, you have water conditions. So water levels. Clarity. That, clarity doesn't mean shit for really? flatheads. No. So you can pattern fish? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I figure like yeah, you can they're get like, sort of an idea of what they're doing. They're a critter time, that has but. habits, but you also have to keep in mind the interesting thing about them is they're the apex predator of their environment, so they do whatever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want. And the only thing that dictates what they do is time of year, water level, water temperature, and bigger, fl- bigger batter flatheads. Does moon phase dictate anything? With them? Oh, it's Movement, huge. Anything like yeah, that? Like huge. the migration? Is that okay? So is moon phase. <laughs> Moon phase is huge in deer controversy. Yeah, it's same in flatheads. Okay, that's what's gonna. There's there's a lot of people who say this, and there's a lot of people say that. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of guys that will say moon phase is a the like you can rely on when you're gonna kill a deer solely off of the moon phase. So the correlation I find found with flatheads is moon phase plays a bigger role in low water conditions, and it's less of a factor in high water conditions, at least in small streams. So what do you think the full moon does to them? The full moon generally in low water conditions where it is more impactful, full moon reduces flathead movement at night. And my theory is that it's light. I think light, but I don't have a real way so to test full that. full moon with the catfish theory. reduces Not the catfish. Or with flatheads. Yeah, because blues and channels react not totally different, but different. So explain to me why it would reduce it. So like with deer, they say that, you know, your full moon. We're talking about a nocturnal animal. And deer are deer at are times also... nocturnal, but they're at times they're not. Uh, they're definitely crepuscular. They're, they're mainly nocturnal. Crepuscular is animals that are more active at twilight periods. I learned something. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. true. Yeah. But the theory with deer and full moons is that they are going to be, that they spend more time at night feeding because they can see better. Therefore, that your movement at at sunrise or sunset. We're talking is about less an animal impactful. that doesn't have to see to feed. That is right. True. So then, why would the full moon even affect it? In my because they don't like light. 
they're a nocturnal creature that prefers to hunt in darkness in zero so light situation. If you had a full moon and overcast, then it wouldn't affect them that much. No, it seems to. I don't know why that that's the kink. That is in, strange. That's the kink in my theory. Why does that work? I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. <laughs> like it's got data to back it up. I've, I've data to back it up, but I don't have an explanation of that part. Hmm. Yeah, I think the whole shadow lines make a difference, though. Like hard shadow lines. Right. And that's anecdotal data that I haven't kept track of. Just observationally, I've kept track of, and um, there's been a handful of times where I've had success fishing in darkness behind like you have the moon behind some trees and it's rising and as that shadow line disappears the bite diminishes but i mean there's other variables you can't account for possibly the fish just were feeding at that time and it had nothing to do with the light and or maybe they they fed up and the ones that were active were done like who knows well like it's just the same thing with deer i mean to an extent it doesn't the number one thing that if you're going to kill a big deer is the amount of time you spend in the stand. And see, that's flyhead fishing. Yeah. Number of time, the amount of time you have a bait in the water, and you can improve your odds by putting your bait in a higher probability location, and yep. you can determine the higher probability location, as in the spot on the spot, by spending more time out on the water and paying attention to what made the difference. And I'm sure the same thing applies to deer hunting. Like you could put a stand in rando place in the woods and kill a big deer but your odds of killing that deer are better if you put your stand in a higher probability location yeah absolutely like you're you're always focusing on there's certain key factors right just like fish wherever they go and sleep it's a or, pattern. Or do whatever. yeah the yes. pattern you know you have yes. food sources you got bedding areas you know places where they spend a lot of time like that's what so like i think that i'm trying to decide if we would have an advantage as hunters or if you guys would have an advantage because fish are more confined to certain spaces oh, but like i mean first off two-thirds of the world's covered by water so they're not yeah but not in the midwest <laughs> you're talking oceans that's the, that doesn't count right right but like if you because like i think about it now like so do you know what cell cams are? Like cell, cell I do. cameras? I do. I'm the weirdo who knows a bunch about deer Honey. hunting, but I don't deer hunt. Well, so like cellular trail cameras have changed the game because you have real time, real time information. Yep. Yeah. Like I'll, I use them some, even Aren't though some I still places feel like they're cheating. Them? Uh, Arizona just banned trail cameras as a whole. Oh, all but of them. All of them. But that's because like 90. I don't know the exact number, so if somebody's out there listening and they're like, well, it's actually 74% or whatever. A lot of Arizona is public. Yeah. And a lot of Arizona doesn't have much water, obviously. So and all the so, trail cams are over by the watering holes? Yes. Yeah. So, like, you'll go to... Look like Radio Shack on the water hole. It does. <laughs> like, they'll, like... It's like a concert. Like, yeah. instead of the lighters out in the audience, it's just, like, all these lights from these trail cams going on. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's what it is. Like they, like they, all these water holes will have like <laughs> ten trail cameras on it, and then they were finding that it was really harming the wildlife because you'd have guys constantly pressuring them away from it, badgering them. Yeah, there was always somebody checking their trail camera at the water and, hole, and so these, the deer could, the animals could never even get to the. They wouldn't drink. They wouldn't yeah, have they anything couldn't get to, to the water source because all of them were was open to the public, and that's all a, of them had people. That's on. a database decision. I can get on board with that. I. And it's I'd a really controversial that. thing, 
and there's a well, lot it's of guys only that controversial are, and this is from somebody who has no skin in the game i'm looking at this the only controversy is because somebody, somebody had this way they were doing things had some success doing it this way found some value in the experience and then this experience is then taken away and they lose that value in their life and they're upset about it how if, did people kill deer before trail cameras though i mean if you look at the if you <laughs> shoot them out the window well, i actually <laughs> like hunting some places without trail cameras Be, so like we have well you have some mystery some, yeah yeah it's like, like oh shit there's just a like, big deer didn't oh, know he deer. was here yes it'd be just like you know you guys catfish and you're like some 70 pound fish you got no ideas there well you can't see them there's some places where you know you've got a feel and then there's once you spend enough time on the water and you pay attention you're like there's a big dog here is he going to show up and you never know if he's going to show up but if he did you'd be like yeah it's not is, a, you're so stoked is, but it's not a complete surprise so is that just based off of a feeling though or like you know for a fact you get a feel for it i mean get i get that feel. with walleye i mean there's only way to know is to catch it it's not like you can see into the water but there's certain places certain types of habitat based not just the type of habitat but where the habitat is situated based on the other habitat availability in a certain stretch of river where you're like if there's a big dog He's going to be right there. But they pop up in weird places. Like two years ago, I hooked, I mean, I made a video of this one and it did really well. It had like a hundred some thousand views. And I hooked, I don't want to even say how big he was. He was really big, bigger than any flathead I've ever caught. And um, he was in a place, if you would have said, there's that fish living here. And you couldn't see him down there. If somebody's like, I know there is a fish this big here, I'd said, bullshit. That fish fair. doesn't live here, but he lived there. He could have been roaming through, though. This time of year, he wasn't moving. That's fair. It was his home. Like, it was his home. You'll have that same thing with, like, big deer. Like, sometimes you'll have one where he's figured out, like, a, like a, a six or seven acre. Well, you see that in those shows that I was watching. You know, yeah. like, the ones that I find interesting are the ones where they're killing 180-inch deer in, like, these little 20-acre pockets between a golf course and yeah a like, suburban if i see those area. guys at, at one of the trade shows coming up or something like one thing i want to ask them is does your wind matter with those deer because like if you think about it those deer one being, the one of the videos that i watched it did it did yeah and so that how were how did they justify that because the, the only thing i'm they said the wind was swirling and the deer ran away so they, they were, were going concerned about the wind direction. That, and they were doing the little pupfer yeah, little the puffer. whole time. I like that. Like, for it. <laughs> yeah, there you what go. Oh, see, because I just... Puffer? The, the puffer. Like it's the, like just to let you know what the wind direction is. You puff it, it and then the, the the wind pushes it whatever direction, uh, so you know what way the direction It's like a little going. baby powder thing, you know, that you just puff yeah, and puffer. It the, the whole you. The whole scent ruins the thing, that concept. Well, my question on that is if you have a deer that's living in an urban area, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's that's just say you used have deer, to smelling humans all the time. Yes, how does he know? Yeah, like why would he be concerned about a specific human over any other human he might be dumber than a post though i mean being an urban deer they're more acclimated to well no shit i watched one video where the dude was sitting in ground blind set up against a freaking retaining wall in somebody's yard why even put the ground blind up just to like to fulfill the experience (laughs) like get your gardening gloves on and bend over the deer and take a look just to add to that the 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 lawn mowing crew shows up and he's like oh shit what do i do now we have 
all these dudes weed eating and mowing the yard. So he goes to like the Seven Eleven and gets a cheeseburger and comes back. Then like shoots the, a, the comedy, a hundred and eighty yeah, I mean, inch deer out of this dude's yard. There'd be more novelty to that for me anyway than you know going out and going through the whole experience. Well, it's so or, different than what you're used to. Like you grew up in like. Semi-rural Iowa. It's pretty rural. I mean, if you compare it to Atlanta, it's super rural. I've never been there, so I guess I never. Me either, but I just know it's big. Yeah, I did it one time, and I didn't like it because, like, part of it of hunting for me is getting away from people and stuff. And like, we were sitting in our stand, yep, and you could hear dogs barking, like people having conversations and stuff. And it just didn't have the same effect. Well, it's just like waterfowl hunting anytime we're like in a field and we're near like an interstate or something like that. I mean, you, you got semis going by and brr, shit like that. It just hitting yeah. the it ruins it. Yeah. That's what I love about elk hunting so much is like elk hunting really reminds you, especially when you're way in the backcountry, like how small we really are. No, I mean, you know, you can't hear anything. Like it's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <coughs> it is a good feeling. Except oh. when you're stuck. I'm so learning a lot. I we, never, we never did visit this question we kind of t- like started and then switched but how do you make a f- a, a hunting show uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like we never did cover that just went around the point but not into it well we, we this, this is this is fun fun stuff to talk about but I'm, i want to know how you make a hunting show how, if you if you were to if you didn't have a hunting show right now yep. and you wanted to start one what do you got to do okay there's probably multiple ways, but it's a loaded question. So, are we going to say? Well, I guess to answer that question correctly, then we got to first qualify what's considered a hunting show. So, are say, we saying this is going to air on TV? Air on or, TV. Okay, air, air on, on TV. TV. Yeah. All right. So, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to make a hunting show. Okay. First thing you got to do is basically you got to decide. You know, I would tell you know we get that question a lot, and I tell people you you need to identify something that you have that's unique. Okay. Something that you're doing. No, we're not, we don't we don't have to go down that route to make okay. your hunting show special. Just like generic, what are the well, steps? Well, you're still going to have to do that because you're going to have to make what's called a pilot episode. Okay. So you're going to have to build an episode of your show. Okay. Right? And then you're going to take that to um, the network that you're trying to air on, which okay. there's really only, only two technically now in the outdoor industry, which is either Pursuit Channel yep. or um, Outdoor Channel, yep. which is... Also, Sportsman's Channel. They they now own Sportsman's really? Channel okay. too. Yeah. So you have outdoor, outdoor Sportsman Group. Um, so you would go to them, and and then so that's why you'd have to have somewhat of a unique show or anything. You got to show that to them. Once you show them that pilot, and they say, "Hey, we like this show." Mm-hmm. Now they're going to offer you uh, your airtime. So they're going to okay. say, "Okay, we have these slots open. On, we're going to give you X amount of airtime." Do you have to pay for that? Yeah. It, so you now, have to buy it. Now that's... Or does that vary depending on... It does things? vary. Yes. It varies a little bit in... The Outdoor Channel has a few shows that they produce. Okay. That they don't... Obviously, it's their own company. They're producing it. They're not charging you airtime. Because <laughs> they'd be charging themselves airtime. But they're, they're, they're cherry-picking the individuals on this show. They're not Joe Schmo who wants to start their own channel. Correct. Like if you're gonna if you're just some random person, they don't know who you are or anything, and they're not coming to you, you're gonna have to pay for airtime. It's so, a big investment of time just to get to how, that. What yeah. what are different ways that people go about paying for airtime? So once they <coughs> once you've decided that you're gonna pay for airtime, one it's either gonna there's gonna there's a few different ways you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if you're gonna get a prime slot, 
like uh it's probably pretty substantial yeah you're probably talking like uh in the six figure neighborhood no kidding good grief yeah per episode no just over for a season for a season for 13 episodes and then you'll get 13 reruns um, that's a lot of which, time. A lot it's of money more than per that. Minute by the time you you know figure all that out, sure. that's, well, that's and you're going to get technically like you're going to create 13 episodes, but that one episode may run like four times during that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get multiple things, and so then is what they're going to do is they're going to give you x amount of ad, ad advertising space like to go and sell. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is they'll keep some ad space, so they'll get to run some ads on your show. Oh, that's bullshit. They're yeah, charging a, you money, and then they're they're double dipping. It's a big controversial. <laughs> You're gonna get Spencer selling and the ads. digital. Some of this is is changing some of that. Uh, but so then you then you would pay the airtime, and then that's where your sponsor stuff comes in a lot of times because there's not, you know, there's some guys that can just pay for it themselves. Yeah, they have a lot of money from business endeavors or whatever, and they just pay for the airtime. And then there's other people that can't afford to do that, and so they have to go out and find sponsors. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, you need to have a good show because that's going to help your ratings and help the amount of viewership. Well, it's probably going to be more appealing to sponsors. Exactly. Too. Yes. And so then you're basically trying to sell that space to the sponsor. Um, you know, you have commercial spots and banner ads and segment bumpers, you know, where you where they say, like, brought to you by... A word from our fine Whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, and so then... And then that's where you've seen now in the outdoor space that there's some shows that really push their sponsors there's more sponsor time than there is actual run time of the show right well and that's what's wrong with the the structure of the outdoor space yep. is they make it where those guys you have no choice as a creator you gotta at least on the tv side they have to pay for that airtime somehow right and, and they can't pay for it themselves shit ain't free exactly know? nothing's yeah. free yeah and so they have to have a sponsor and they got to make sure that they can make that sponsor happy yeah. Fortunately for us, we did a, we did a good enough job with our show that we don't have to like say, hey, we're going <coughs> to talk about this product for three minutes in our show. Um, we do a good enough job highlighting it without. Yeah, like it's in the we well, have it, stuff in the episode and we're using and we're only using stuff that we believe in and would actually use even if we didn't work. So with how do you guys promote it? Just showing like well, good that'd be use with what you call a soft yeah. sell. Exactly. Soft sell. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at with any sponsorship. This is I what have. I use. It works. Yeah. Well, the only two real sponsorships I have are uh, Whisker Seeker Tackle, which is all the catfishing stuff, and then Waterland Sunglasses. Frank's Red Hot hasn't got in there yet. Oh, I wish. I'm kind of upset about that. <laughs> I wish. Disappointed. I would make them so much money, but like. The reality is I only accept sponsorships that I believe in, kind of like what you're talking about. And it's real easy to sell those things without selling them because you use it, um, you like it. You believe and, in it. And, well, and then when if you were to even talk about it, you talk about it in a way that seems very natural. Like Legitimate, it, yeah. It, yeah, you're it, not having to. Like if, if we were fishing and we were having a conversation and we were talking about like what the best – fishing line is for flatheads i'd tell you the characteristics of whisker seeker because that's the fishing line i like mono's you, better well they have mono and braid oh really yeah <laughs> hey i'm learning you saw the four pound spool of that mono now you're gonna yeah. have to go buy some whisker seeker line. I, I gotta figure out catfish first yeah catfish are you easier than walleye right? guy yeah uh 
but but just that that that's where I'm at with all that. Like, you know, I think personally, I think that's the way to go. Because and then and you're more credible when you do that. Like, well, we've turned down. I don't want to. Sp- well, dude, well, me and him were talking. We about did. It. I turned down a pretty significant amount of money. At least what's significant to me, um, it was more than what I made teaching in a month. And I told him no because I think it's boring and it's not that it's not practical for some people but take away more than what you'd get out of it right and i wouldn't enjoy talking about it i think it'd be boring i mean it it was a boat cleaner you know i'm not gonna barely clean my boat (laughs) i don't know very many people that do aside of like once a year if you oh dude i know a handful of people that go ape shit over cleaning their boats and there's some like you know cleans our boat like Three times a year, like it'll be once right when it comes out of the storage that she cleans it, like details it. Like it looks great. It's not yeah. a fishing boat though. It is. Really? Yeah. Like but it so was you her, have a fishing boat it was and you her, don't even hardly fish. It goes out with his Well, Zemco, it was her dad's boat. Catches and brim. her dad recently uh passed away and so he handed it down to us. Okay. That's and fair. so I fish for him sometimes, you know. But that's a motivator too to take care of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you, like we always try to take good care of it, you know. To but, me that's like my boat, my boat, or if my dad were to hand down a boat after he passed away, I would take immaculate care of the boat my dad handed down. My boat, it's a work work machine. Yeah, you know, like yep. It's I put a, it it's through a spaces. sentimental piece yeah. as well. Yes, you know, it's yes. not uh, just a boat. You sure. Know? So sure. like, it's kind of funny because it's like a, I think it's, I want to say it's like an eighty nine or something like that. It's either an eighty six or an eighty nine. But he took immaculate care of it. I mean, it's in great shape. It well, was an they old, say old guy boat them. Well, yeah, like boats yeah. boats don't die; their owners kill them. You know, so if you right. take good care of your boat, they'll last forever. Right. Well, so here we have this, like, you know, it's like an '89 or '86 uh, Ranger Fisherman. And oh, then, that's what that that's. Yeah, we have, I'd take care of that too. Well, and we have a brand new Garmin Force on the front of it. <laughs> so that's just that's a trolley motor i got but i i get the dude it's the contrast sweet. yeah but yeah. it's also like here like it's it's huge it will because like i tried talking to her and i was like let's go you know maybe a little middle of the road and she's like no we, how big is this boat uh 14 foot something like that no way a ranger that's only 14 feet maybe it's 18 uh, foot 18 would be yeah it's probably eight, 18 18 minimum standard yeah i don't really know my boats it's i know how to drive it i know how it's to fiberglass or aluminum fiberglass yeah you I think it's 18 yeah you wanted that garmin force yeah. well it like it'll pull like it you can one just the hand thing is sweet there are no control sure have yeah. you have you done that with yours where you can like yes you move your any anything you have done with your trolling motor i've done and then other things <laughs> it's so entertaining yes. like you just get stuck just sitting there moving your motor with that thing just because you can't yeah but like it'll move that thing at like eight or nine miles an hour <laughs> it's just out there playing with it like it's a toy boat dude like so, so you feel you like it? it you feel like it at that point in time because yeah. you're like you can take the remote Mm-hmm. And you just you know you just hold the remote like this. You just and you drive your boat around. Face it anyway. Yeah. Yep. It's cool. Or you out. hit the button and it drives itself. Yeah. It's even better. Yeah. You gotta look, you gotta like be sitting down when you put it on high power. Oh yeah. It'll freaking it'll knock you over. Take you for a toss. Well, and I'm not sponsored by them, but it's a product that I use and really like, and it's cool that we're not either. I wish. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it's it's cool that you can use it as a 24 volt or 36 volt. Like you can hook two 12 versatile. Volt. Yeah, it's versatile. Like, and then, so I'm, 
I, I have it rigged as a, a 24 volt. Mm-hmm. I have a 20 foot, 2072 all welded flat bottom. So it's a big ass boat. Big heavy boat. Big heavy boat. Yep. It's probably, honestly, your boat is probably as heavy or heavier because it's fiberglass, even though it's smaller. These fiberglass boats are two How, lengths. Isn't there two lengths of the of that trolling motor? Oh, I, there's at least two. 36 which, 48, Ed. Which one is yours? One. So there's a 48 and a 60. 48 and a 60. Yeah, mine's a 48. Maybe we do have the 48. That's the only thing. I, I wish it was a little bit shorter. No, you don't. I don't Said know. We, no man we, if you're out there in waves, you won't. I wonder if we have the 60. Then you it, might have the 60, yeah. I mean, we're talking like four really versus long. five feet. It's four, either a four-footer or a five-footer. Yeah. I wish I would have got the five-footer. Really? Yeah. There's been a handful of times where I'm out there in waves, and you know, the, the bow of the boat's bucking, and the trolling motor's popping out of the water, and if I would have had a five-footer, it wouldn't have been an issue. On flat water, it's not an issue. It's never been an issue, but when I take it out on lakes, which... It's it's not enough on lakes where it's really a make or break situation, but um, I mean it wouldn't hurt anything to have for me to have the sixty instead of the forty eight. But you're never fishing like shallow stuff, really, right? Because <laughs> uh, pretty regularly. <laughs> yeah. Are you usually taking the river and stuff? Yeah, I take it everywhere. It's on the front of the boat. It doesn't yeah. come off. We have to have the sixty in it. Or the longer one. But you can adjust how far it is in the water, too. How much, though? Quite Infinite. Bit, bit, yeah, really? Yeah. Up. I'm going to have to you come down. Push, the, push the other buttons. Else. Yeah, I'm pretty expensive, so oh, you better start buttons. saving your money right now. Huh? <laughs> I will charge my girlfriend to do it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Her boat, technically. I'll do it for a case of bush light. Actually, I'll do it for nothing. But You got a deal. Bush light's encouraged. We can do that. I'll let if you gave we can me a, drink that after if you gave if you <coughs> paid me a case of bush light and I came down and showed you how to do it and you'd be like I paid a case of bush light for this shit I probably just need to read the the freaking literally instruction manual. yeah yeah because like, you lose your man we, card if you read that though I know right you well, can't read directions all you got to do is look at it and call me I probably already lost my man card though because I just paid somebody to install it because I'm like I know this is not my yeah, if you want it done forte. clean and it's got well and he connected you. it to you know I got a fish finder for it and everything so. Which I need somebody to teach me how to read that. Knowing too. knowing what is involved to do that, you lost your man card. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> to do the things you just talked about. Oh, probably. Like it's I, literally six fishing bolts. Dude is like, six bolts and you thing. plug it in. I do you have a phone? It your was, phone is infinitely more complicated than this trolling motor. Well we got we got it during August, which for me is when I start going out west. Sure. And so I took it to this guy named Steve. Great dude. This guy named Steve. Uh, yeah, guy named Steve. I feel like there's been some real Steve. ridiculous stories started with this <laughs> guy, guy named Steve. <laughs> He's got a lot of personality. He was a really entertaining guy. Uh, but I just took it to him and had him do that because I was out of the state anyway. So I really haven't got to spend much time. Dude, I'm with, it, I'm with you. I'm, I'm fortunate that I have some good buddies. Um, Ryan, who's an electrician, helped with all the wiring on my boat. And then Sam, he. he He's just like a do it all. He's a jack of all trades. He, he, yeah, he's he's got he knows a little bit of everything. A little bit and about he, everything, and he knows a lot about some stuff. So uh, we just hauled my boat up to his shop, and me and Ryan, and we brought a bunch of stuff, and we just went hard on it for two days and got it all rigged up. And that's happened to a lot of boats in that shop. I'm that's sure. what Sam said. Yeah. It's like this is not the first boat that's had this happen. Yep. If he don't know how to do it, he knows someone that can. Exactly. So. I'm just lucky I got those buddies in my life that, you know, help me out with that stuff. I feel like I need an introduction to Sam. 
Sam's character. I got Steve right now, but I got to pay Steve. Well, so I need, maybe I just need to make better buddies with Steve. Sam likes Coors Light. Likes oh. Coors Light. Yeah, oh. yeah. So just take some Coors and your boat, and um, I'd tag along just to ease the transition and. <laughs> Whatever you need make to make it happen. It's yeah. a little, little intimidating. I think that'd first. be a, a little odd if I just well, showed up and was like, "He, he." Hey, honestly, if there was a guy that you were just going to show up, he's the guy. Really? Yeah, yeah. You would be more uh, wigged out than him as soon as he walked out because he's like a giant ass son of a bitch. Oh, really? Oh, he's yeah. like six eight, tall, big shit. beard. You know, like, that's a big. You dude. shake his hand and your hand's gone. That's a caveman. That's a big dude. Yep. And he gives zero shits about anything. I love fishing with Sam. Oh, it's yeah. it's fun. It's a good he's, time. He's, he's good good shit. Makes everything look small though. It's hard for him to make a fish look large. We were talking about playing that joke because my buddy Sparky, he's about five eight, a buck fifty, buck sixty. Same fish. And doing the same fish photo because Sparky's strong. Like he wrestled at you and I. Like he's not a weak man, but he's not a big man. And so to have this Sparky hold the same <coughs> fish as Sam holds, it's it would be very entertaining to look at the difference. Oh, that would be really interesting just to see. Agreed. It, it it makes such a big difference. But anyway, back to Steve, the boat guy. The boat guy. What about Steve? Well, didn't you have? Do you have anything more to add about Steve? Mm, I feel like we kind of. I don't really know Steve that they well. They did he quality work, though. Well, yeah, you brought Steve up. You brought Steve up like your best friends. No, like he's a good dude. And he told me some interesting stories, but that was about it. You okay. Know? Like he told, like uh, when we did drop it off, he had a buddy that I guess was an older gentleman, like in his sixties or seventies. And there's one of these trolling motors, right? That you can that will like bring itself to the dock, right? Yeah. Yep. I don't know which one it is or whatever. There's one that auto deploys. So the okay. force you got to pull the cord. Yeah. And then you pull it and then you drop it down whereas there's some trolling motors, I can't remember exactly which one. Minkota definitely makes one. Uh Motor Guide might make one. I think it was a Minkota. But you push the button and it deploys on its own and then you can steer it to the ramp if you wanted okay. to. Okay. Well, hopefully somebody from Minkota is listening to this cuz I'm going to get you paid. To just to pull this down. Okay. okay. <laughs> so Steve was, I, we when I picked up the boat from Steve, he had just gotten the day before. He'd had a guy that he installed a new one of these Minkotas on. Yep. And it's an older guy, you know, like seventy or something like that. And he went out fishing by himself, used it for the first time, and something on the trolling motor malfunctioned. Yeah. So he drops his boat into the lake, and it and, wouldn't deploy. Yes, and it yeah. wouldn't deploy, <laughs> and. Fortunately, Steve didn't live very far away, and so he calls Steve, and he's like, "Oh my God, dude, my boat's just floating, out floating out there, you know." And he's like, "I can't go get it, you know." At least it wasn't a river. Oh yeah, that would have been terrible. It would just been gone. That'd be awful. <laughs> Hopefully, he's got insurance. But anyway, so he calls Steve, and he's like, "I, he's like, I just, I'm not comfortable swimming out there to get it, you know." And Steve's like, "No worries, I'll come get it, you know." And so Steve mm-hmm. just drives there real quick and and swims out like. You know, I guess by this time, by the time he got there, fortunately, it only took him, I guess, 15 or 20 minutes to get there. But, but it's it was a like, away. yeah, 200 yards or something like that sure. out in the... Former Olympic athletes. Yeah, Steve, Dude, do, like, do it all, Steve. <laughs> works on boats now. <laughs> well, and, no offense, Steve, if you're listening to this, but Steve doesn't look like uh, Michael Phelps by any means. He looks like he has a great ability few, to float. Few Every people, other boat mechanic. Few people do. There's advantages but, to that. But he must have been pretty confident in his swimming ability. Unless, I guess, maybe he just took a life jacket or something. So he swam out there Whatever. and got his he boat got for the him. boat. Yeah, he got he the got boat. The boat. That's back. all that matters. So that would be uh, 
That would be pretty terrifying. Well, Stand there's, up, Steve. There's some fishing guides that I've talked to that won't get a trolling motor that auto-deploys because of issues with the auto-deploy. Yep. Well, that'd be freaking well, nerve-wracking the, the worry, it <laughs> Well, that, that's the worry. It's like, well, it's not just nerve-wracking if it doesn't work. It's your the money you make like is dependent on this trolling motor. And most of these guys that I'm talking to are dudes who fish in the Mississippi they're bumping, and you you don't know what bumping is, but it's a micro adjustments. It's a tactic used for blue cat fishing during warmer months, where you rely entirely on your trolling motor. Your trolling motor is without it, you don't do it. I mean, you could possibly use your big motor, but that's not good for your big motor to run it at low speeds like that for long durations of time. So, mo- like everybody uses a trolling motor, and if your trolling motor won't deploy, then you can't do that. And if you can't do that, you can't fish. And if you can't fish, you can't take clients and make so, money. So, so you're saying these auto deploys always auto deploy? There's no manual option. That I don't know. I just know that they have told me the story that the malfunction with the auto deploy has been an issue, and I don't know how big of an issue. It might be like super minute, but these guys are worried about it because that's how they make money. And if right. they, they can't make money, it's it's just one more thing to break. Yeah. And if you can avoid it, you avoid it. So. Well, and like, how hard is it really to just... I could see an older gentleman by yourself. That To me, that would... I could see that. But yeah. other than that, I mean, like, how hard is it really to just take the boat off and tie it up? Well, you're... you're I mean, tie it up. Like to the dock when you're going, you take your. Oh, I'm talking like that's not hard to do that. Yeah. But I'm talking about. You're talking fishing. Yeah, like to be but able to. There's got to be a manual option. I, I don't think. I don't know. It would make sense. I agree, 100. percent I've be. never used one, so I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's just because of, of a lack of experience and not knowing. There's got to be, probably. All right, so we're we're getting towards the end, and the end is an opportunity for you guys to talk about whatever the hell it is you want to talk about. So I call it the last cast, which means you have unlimited time to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So you can either revisit something that you discussed earlier, or you can just have your parting message to, to go over whatever. I think we've been, uh, for me, grade A bullshitter, so I don't really have anything else to add. You, you have to have something. That's, I have to have something? Yeah, you, you can't just walk away without a last cast. Even though, I mean, figuratively speaking, your last cast would then become your last cast. But He'd have to make a cast first. Yeah. He'd have to be a fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not much of a fisherman. Well, Timber gun connoisseur. This uh, is literally the only segment I have, if you want to break things down, of the entire podcast. I mean, I've, yeah, I've learned quite a bit part. listening to him this entire time. I mean, I, I've never had an infatuation with anything with antlers or chasing anything with, you know, bones hanging turkeys? Shot one turkey. I'm not going to talk about the circumstances that <laughs> surrounded that, but I have shot. But it was delicious. Turkey. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I was impressed. But no, I mean I've I've gotten a lot of perspective, you know, for the, the timber goats and the elk and you know the, the sheep and stuff like that. I've I picked up a little bit. I have too. It's been pretty interesting, honestly, to hear the. I'm going to stick with fishing, though. I mean, it's it's more of a poor man's game than. Getting, oh, you can get, get into hunting fairly cheap. God, well, I mean, I waterfowl mean, hunting when, already broken off. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm strictly a big game hunter, so I can't speak 
to that part of things, but like you could get in a you could get a used bow and a used tree stand pretty reasonable. Yeah, you I could mean, you could get into but to you know, buy five hundred decoys for snow geese. You can end up getting those. I mean, on the cheap still, but well, I mean, five hundred of them though. Even a hundred, like hundred. How many like do you have? Stylosocks for snow geese. I I don't do. If you're using a hundred. I mean, that's decoys for snow geese. You might as well be using zero. Yeah. Really? Yeah. God, I don't know. I understand. I understand that about as well as I do the the big game thing. I mean, the whole big game concepts never left me anything short of flaccid. Honestly, <laughs> it just. I grew up fishing. You ever seen any videos of elk hunting? None that thrilled me. I mean, aside like a, like aside of like the size of the animal. I mean, the sheer size of it. it just so like imagine that animal come like screaming at you. With the sole intention of like destroying you. I mean, I'm gonna shit down its throat Thinking. with a gun. Like, I'm not gonna like. <laughs> no, no. Sit say there you don't. You don't have a gun. You got it. You have a like. You're going Indian style. You got a bow, and that animal ends up like underneath a hundred yards, just like screaming its guts out at you. Like it wants to come and beat you up. Well, I mean, I'd kill it under the circumstances. You don't think that but I don't any have any adrenaline the... rush though. It would, but I don't know whether. But you're making the assumption that everybody that enjoys adrenaline rush. See, I'm the weirdo. Who, I'm out there to relax. Yeah, you don't get any adrenaline rush on the fishing. A little bit. I mean, it's a the, the situations where I get an adrenaline rush, I tend to avoid. So, like, really, most of my adrenaline rushes are involved kayaking in unfavorable situations. He likes white water. So, when you're reeling in a big fish, like one you know is big, yeah, it doesn't give you any kind of like. Rush or there's there's a form of, of excitement, but it's not like I'm jumping out of an airplane. And if I were to jump out of an airplane, I wouldn't enjoy it. So why do you do it? Because of the the well, if I wanted to break down why <coughs> I enjoy it, I, I would probably say the experience, like the the experience of being out there, but also the experience before I'm even out there, like the plotting and figuring out and putting together these patterns. I find a certain amount of satisfaction with all of that. And then to go and but what's come the up end with the goal of that. The end goal is there is no end goal. I don't have goals. I just enjoy the moment and the things that I'm doing along you the way. You enjoy the ride. Yeah. I enjoy the ride. Yep. So maybe that would be one of the reasons I'm not so big into hunting because like the kill itself isn't it's that short-lived. satisfying and it's it's over whereas the journey on the way to what most of what i do is the catch the journey on, like catching the fish is fun and exciting but everything that leads up to that moment where i hook up is even better and i would say it's the exact same problem. i can relate a lot of what you but, just said to what he has with the hunting thing it's just well i agree with you 100 percent. yeah the only difference is for me is all of the time that I put in, all the, you know, time, like you walk in all the miles and everything, you know, I spend that much time looking for a deer, trying to locate a deer, trying to do all the things. I'm, and like, obviously with fishing, you guys can release them. We can't release deer, you know, like once you pull the trigger, it's a permanent But you don't thing. have to shoot them. Exactly. No, that's and so that's why difference. I'm typically They're trying to find. You can just go up and pet them. <clears throat> I haven't found any that'll let me do that yet. Uh <laughs> You need to hunt where those uh, the Seek One guys hunt. Yeah, maybe those ones would. I don't know. I, I'm not saying all of them would, but I bet there's a handful that have eaten bird seed out of somebody's hand. Oh, a lot of those are urban deer, probably majority. But like the that's why I typically, I honestly tell people that like if you were to explain what people perceive as trophy hunting, 
to yeah. a non-hunter, yeah, I think they would be more inclined to like trophy hunting over what you would the stigma of a, a meat hunter, right? Because a meat hunter is somebody who, at least the perception is that they would shoot anything. Like they don't they're care just trying to get out of the woods. And I draw less of an issue with like the meat hunter thing. I mean, we're going down a wormhole here with me, but like the guy out there trying to provide for his family is a whole different thing. Well, then, regardless of antler size, you still provide for your family. Oh, you'd, but that's so yeah. The, but he's so, not going to pass on you know a two or three year old deer that's subpar or it's well, broken. Well, so me from my perspective of not bow hunting yep. is I enjoy if, if I'm going to do something, it's because I enjoy being out there. It's the experience. And if and, I'm passing on deer, that it just extends the amount of time I get to be in the field. Well, and I mean, it's all what you take away, what you're looking to take away from yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so, so you have to look at it like this. But you can't. So to to go back to your point, you can't let a deer go that you shot, but you don't have to shoot them. Whereas every fish that bites, you want to catch them, but then you have the option to let them go. They're like the inverse of each other. Right. So like when I go. So the meat hunter theory to me is one that's hard for me to um, understand. Because in my opinion, you can just shoot a doe. But you adopt you that principle every but, time you have a doe tag. But you what, become a meat hunter. I am a meat hunter. So yeah. like, I don't know a single person that I would say. So I think the stigma of what people understand a trophy hunter is. So every trophy hunter is a meat hunter. Yes. Okay. Like I don't know anybody personally. That nobody's cutting the head off and that leaving the They body. are out there. That's poaching. Like, that's literally illegal. Right. You can't do that. So you have meat hunter, trophy hunter, poaching. <laughs> yes. There's if, a difference. If you shoot an animal and Three you guns. literally just cut the head off, like, that is 100% poaching. It's yeah. absolutely legal. Yeah, you're, you're the, you, you will get fined. You know, like, that's 100% legal. Right. <laughs> uh, and that, but like a trophy hunter, to me, is somebody that's trying to kill a certain category of animal. So, yeah. like, that's, I would group myself into that. Like, when I go hunting, one, I shoot a crap load of does every year for two yeah. reasons. One, we eat a lot of them. Herd management, too. Yeah. I mean. That's the second reason is herd management, trying to control those numbers and, and have a better population. But, like, out between my girlfriend and I, we eat literally hundreds of pounds of wild game. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, but uh, a trophy hunter is somebody, in my opinion, that, like, I'm trying to kill a certain age structure of animal. So like if you're, and then so I'm trying to kill something that is con, is 100% mature. So I let mm-hmm. the two year old deer go and the three year old deer because I want to have those deer get to a certain age structure that it's a a healthy continuing population. Yep. I don't. You're I, killing them at their prime. Yes. After I, they or, have, or after their prime. You're doing after, a conservation. Mind. Yeah, I feel guilty about shooting a two year old deer or a three year old deer. It's not just about the rack size to me. It's so like when they, is involved. Yeah, and when I do get that opportunity at a deer that is one that I'm after, because now you're you've limited yourself to five percent of the population, right. or something like that, my adrenaline gets going more because of all of the experience and all the time that I've put in to try to get myself in the situation to have a shot at that deer. Sure, I totally. But like get that. the experience, <clears throat> I'm right there with you. Like I enjoy the whole thing. Like, I I don't want to. When I killed my elk this year. I didn't want to kill him on the first day, which ended up happening. But so, like I told those guys, you know, we looked at several bulls, and I, and they were they were kind of mad at me because I wouldn't go and hunt some of them. I was like, they were like, "That's a good bull." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but it's not what you're looking for." I mean, you're out there, you're you're shopping in a sense. You know? Really, is what I wanted is I didn't want to be done on the first day. Like you wanted the experience. Yeah, to, I wanted to, to go chase elk, and I wanted to well, hunt isn't, elk. Isn't wouldn't that be like if you paint the picture of the perfect deer season? You hunt every day you can hunt. 
and then on the last day you can hunt you kill the deer you want to kill absolutely because you want the experience you enjoy the grind you enjoy i just enjoy being out there yeah i would i like being out and i like getting to see deer do their thing i like getting to see them um you know as uninterrupted as i can and and watch their behavior it's the same you know you guys go fishing because you enjoy and you like those experiences the same thing for me Mm-hmm. There's, it's just a different element that gets taken away. There's from a that. lot of different intricacies on both ends of this, and I'm but sure. that's also what's really interesting. There's a lot of similarities too, and I'm seeing that. But I'm some sure. of us are more keen to other things. I'm, I might have to have Spencer take me, or someone take me flathead fishing. Put a, summer. put Maybe a Zebco in his hand, it, yeah. but book, I don't need to get addicted to anything else. Book a trip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> get on the website. Yeah. Can so, I pay so, you in Coors for that too, or Bud? No, neither. Bushlight. That's a lot of bush. Send me an email, Spencer at RiverCertified.com. We'll we'll get one lined up. (laughs) And that goes to anybody else who wants to book a trip. (laughs) My thing, my my last cast will be uh, being being a guide. There's a certain stigma, and whether you're privy to the stigmas of being a fishing guide or not, there's, there's a large percentage of burnout with people who have minimal patience with other individuals. So somebody who becomes a fishing guide might have this imagination that they're going to be taking all of these well-versed experienced anglers on the water. And then when that doesn't happen and you take people who are lacking a skill set that you assumed everybody has, then people lose patience. But the reason I wanted to become a fishing guide and I've always wanted to become a fishing guide is because I'm fortunate where I have a certain level of patience that transfers not only to the fish that I chase, but it's just part of my personality. Like I was a teacher and I really enjoyed being a teacher. And and if I have to go back to being a teacher, I will go back happy because I enjoyed it so much. And part of the reason I enjoy it is because of the patience I have with those, with the, with the kids, you know, like, teachers bitch about shit like oh i can't believe these kids don't understand this shit like dude they don't understand it and it's your job to help them understand it like that's job security that's what you're there for so why why complain about a kid who doesn't understand something is so, that the entire point of a teacher exactly <laughs> nope. and that, that's my argument but you hear this discussion fairly regularly to the point where you're like i don't know it makes you question some things but i'm lucky that i'm patient and then I've been lucky that I transfer that to um, being a guide. And then I also, so it's like two part, like I'm patient with individuals who want to go fishing and may not have this skill set that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. I l- really enjoy helping them improve as anglers. And then I just enjoy the hell out of being on the water. Like I could give a shit less if I catch another fish as long as I'm on the water watching other people catch fish and seeing them get better at it. I have an immense, immense satisfaction with that. And it's, that's just my perspective. So it's all about perspective. So if all, if the YouTube and all the media stuff falls to pieces and I am quotation marks stuck being a fishing guide or all that goes to hell and then I'm quotation marks stuck being a teacher like I'm, You'll still be doing the same thing, but on another platform. Exactly, and I'm going to be real happy doing all That's those things. Fair. And being a teacher, 
the nice one nice thing about being a teacher aside from everything I just talked about is like I have time to get on the water myself so I still enjoy those experiences so it's like a win-win all the way around do you ever fish with people when you take them on a trip or do you solo just let them fish the only times I've fished with people when I'm on a trip <coughs> is situations where I'm going to hook a fish and then hand it off okay like I, kids and Kids. Did you think that you've always been that way, or did you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've caught enough fish now that I'm I wish he'd do that one of these times when I run into up at the river, the dickhead shows up. And it was pretty hard to watch the last time that, we were out there. God, that, well, yeah, my performance last time we were out there, the sheep's head, one right after another. And then as soon as you leave, I hook up. Yeah, I did it was make literally- a mile down the road, and my phone lights up. I'm like, you gotta be <laughs> And that would trip before that. He first cast. What was that fish? Six, seven pounds. Probably. Yeah. yeah just first cast. Oh, it'd be cool if I caught one on the first cast. Bang. I hadn't caught a fish in two freaking hours. How many channel cats do you usually catch? Like, do you fish for them at the same time when you're always fishing for flyheads or all your stuff? That's no, I'll, I'll switch it up. It's two different presentations most it's, of the time. It's different. Well, I mean, you get channels. You get crossovers. So if you're flyhead fishing, you'll catch some channels. But every once in a while, I'll take a quote another quotation mark day off of flathead fishing and <coughs> just go drift some bait i, I like drifting bobbers in the summer for yes. channels it's a lot of fun yep. but See, um, that's what you said earlier when you said like that you caught 80 and 60 fishing trips or something channel cats you can do that in a day if you get on the right spot I've, I've, I've done the most i've ever caught in a full day in eight hours of fishing i caught it was like 74 76 i need to get you on a leopard frog bite next year I watched my dad catch 40 inside two hours, and they were still running when I left. Channels? Yeah, it's just absurd. Holy I mean, they were your cookie cutter, you know, two to four pound fish. But that's fun. That's oh, a it, lot my, of fun. my arms hurt. Like I when I, when I hear you talk about flyheads, like to me, that catching a fly would be really cool. But I'm like, I would have to fish for something else too, because I think I'd get way too bored. No, you just got to go into it the right mindset. Yeah. Of so, one fish. All right. Think about what we just were doing here, and we're just, just shooting like the, the shit. Aspect. Blah 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 blah. We're having a podcast. You can do that. And then there's a spread of six rods, and you're just waiting. You can do you're it. Just waiting. So we're we're talking. We're having a good time. Whatever. Then you hear a clicker rolling, and then you go catch a twenty to forty pound fish. Yeah, you just shoot the shit. So how many? So you're catching like one flathead per five hours, six hours. I think it. The last, I haven't averaged this year out, but last year I averaged out to one flathead every six hours. One, okay. Yeah. My average is much lower than that. I think I can count on two hands the amount of flatheads I've caught in my life. The best average, well, maybe, no, maybe so, that was two years ago. The best average I ever had was just under five. That's still, that's remarkable. I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. So then for me, if I was going to take a flat, the company would really be important. I want, that, to I want to see. Five hours can be these. a long time between fish. But I just see. I'm to fortunate me. that I just love being out there. Whether there's somebody there and somebody not there, that's part of the whole gig. Like the reason I catch a flathead every so many hours is because I've loved being out there. Like my first year I ever fished for him. First year I ever fished for him, <coughs> I caught. What was it? It was like 38 or 40 trips. I've been logging trips for a long time. It was 38 or 40 trips, and I caught four. First year I ever fished for him. Damn. God dang. Yeah, so that's very far off from one every five and a half hours. But me, I just love being out there. So it was like, not catching shit, but I don't care. I just like being here. It's experience. Yeah. I also like getting better, so I made a point to get better. There comes better. a point where you don't get any better, though. What are you going to do when you reach that point? I, I don't feel like there's that point. It's fair. 
now whether the the difference is one flathead every 48 hours on the water and and versus one every five and a half you've got a you've got a pretty close i mean that's but if the difference is like average of one every five hours versus five and a half hours it's you're getting closer to tri- maybe being able to get you know if someone books a six hour trip your odds at being able to you know be dialed in and get them a fish i feel that good, that, good that if somebody books a trip they're gonna have a shot yeah now, it, your confidence whether, is whether they execute on that shot and I'm going to coach them up the best I can just to, to paint the picture of what's going to happen and how they need to, what they need to do to hook up and, and land this fish. Keep them from shitting the bed on their own Well, and yeah, because there's a lot of anticipation that has led up to this trip. And then when you're on the trip, there's a lot of anticipation that leads up to the bite. Yep. I'm going to coach that individual um, prior to the bite and then through the, the bite and while they're fighting the fish. To help them have the most success possible, because I find a satisfaction with seeing uh, another individual land the biggest fish of their life. I think that's there'd awesome. be no feeling like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's. Is there anybody that's catching like more than one fish per five or six hours? Like, is there some other guys that like have <laughs> figured it out and they're catching one like All every right. two hours? Or so the last trip I had of the year, the last guide trip, the last trip I caught a flathead this year, October eighteenth. We they they booked the trip and they're like, bro, we just want to catch catfish. And I'm like, perfect. We're gonna go channel catfishing and then we might dabble with some flatheads later. So we fish for five hours or four and a half hours for channel cats. We catch some channel cats. Everybody's jacked, have a good time. We have some great conversation, just an enjoyable time on the water. And then um, I said, you know what? You want to spend an hour and try and put a flathead in the boat? They're like, yeah, that'd be cool to catch a big one. So we go to said location for that time of year, that water level, everything lined up perfect. We had an hour in the trip left. In 50 minutes, we put five flatheads in the boat up to 44 pounds. That was the last flathead. That is uncanny. Holy. I looked at those guys and said, don't ever expect to see anything like this again in your life. So is it likely? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. Like, crazy shit like that yeah happens. but like is there somebody out there that's that is a big flathead fisherman that yeah. is consistently like wherever maybe it's where they live or something that they're catching more than one flathead per five or six hours like, yeah i mean uh, average over they, a like season yeah like they've figured it out more they've got they've just spent more time and they've really dialed them in so like there's some guys that are killing certain caliber of deer yeah every year just because they've spent more time and they've figured out exactly like almost a science to it yeah i'm sure there is um but there's no one like prevalent that comes to mind um as far as catching like averaging out over a whole season catching, well, maybe then maybe let's put it this way you're not gonna what would you put him in, is, in like tier of flat of flathead fisherman like is he like top five percent top one percent he he knows a lot i mean I've like to me he seems like he's, i mean I've, see there's so shit, many guys out there that you don't hear about flathead guys are not going to talk i mean a lot of your walleye guys are not going to talk i mean you deer hunters you're going to the biggest assholes are walleye fishermen hey no don't you start trout fishermen did. trout fishermen. no no i've met a lot more uh where they're consider- inconsiderate dickheads and they just want to fill their bucket and- for trout no walleye guys. Walleye guys, I say, can you imagine? Like I literally it? watched a, a dude land a six pounder today, and then I walk, I park my truck, walk down the bank, I'm like <coughs> fifty feet away from him. I'm like, "Hey man, how's it going?" He's like, "Okay." It's like, "Oh, are they biting?" Nope, haven't caught up fish all day. 
And as I was driving down, I watched him put a six pounder on a stringer. Well, and the like, dickhead will call all his buddies and then wonder why shit's crowded. But you know, they're not going to. I hate how he'll blame YouTube. It ends up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I've heard that. I mean, goddamn YouTube. I know, I know where you're talking about. These fishing and I've, spots, and, I've and then it. they're like right after they posted six pictures on Facebook and with the background and oh yeah, yeah well, five good, five yeah. minutes after they caught them. Good day yesterday. Next to the See you tomorrow. Lake. Yep. Yep. All right, so that's pretty much going to wrap it up. If you want to support the podcast and you enjoyed this, well, I, first off, thanks for taking the time to listen, but um, not even but. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you want to support Sid Podcast, River Certified Podcast, get your pair of sunglasses. I don't want any charity. I don't want anybody to give me anything. You can go to Waterland Sunglasses, use promo code RC15. You save 15%. I get a little kickback. It helps me out a lot. I really appreciate it. You can get you some Riverside River Certified merchandise at rivercertified.com. I got hoodies, got tank tops, got like stocking caps, all kinds of shit. Scarves, so, mittens. I have to go give you some tank tops. Yes, yes. Um, you got them here? Not here. Ah, everything's everything's made to order. If I had to, can I get a code for that? (laughs) (laughs) You get a kickback on that? No. Well, I mean, I get a little bit, but not a lot. But it still helps. Anything from your from your apparel? A a little bit, not a lot, but it does help. All right, I'll wrap it and we'll put it on Instagram and stuff. Maybe that'll help some more. Would we can talk about this once the podcast is over? Okay. (laughs) But regardless, the you know the little bit of kickback I, I get helps a lot, and then just spreading the brand helps even more than all that, and I I really appreciate it. So, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, oh, the other thing, if you're on iTunes, you can leave a review. That helps a lot. Um, I think that's really about it. So, thanks for taking the time to listen. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Had a ton of fun. Hope thanks you guys for having me, me, man. Yeah, awesome, fun. awesome. So, thanks for listening. And hope you all catch giant. Now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.